This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader the station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Are we live? Are we good? You can hear this, Mike? Excited? My friends, welcome to the best show. Tonight's episode of the best show. Tonight's episode is brought to you by what? Well, get ready for, I'm going to tell you who it's brought to you by. Get ready for this. If only I could open this email and tell you what it's about. Where is it? I'll tell you. Where is it? Uh, where'd you go? No, not that one. Oh, boy. Good start to the show, huh, guys? Well, I want to tell you that tonight's episode of The Best Show is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code BEST. Show at checkout to get 10% off Squarespace, build it, beautiful, and now I am here to tell you all that the clock on the wall tells me that it is, uh, it is 8.59 and 59 seconds, and that means it is time for, that's right, it's time for At Best Show. Let's get it started, everybody. Yeah, the dudes can call now for five minutes. This is At Best Show, welcome. We got a fun topic for you tonight. Topic for tonight's At Best Show is uh, Nature Comedians. That's the uh, that's the game. So uh, you could be talking about Patrice O'Neill or Todd Berry. Guys, it's 201-332-3484. Welcome to At best show let's get your uh let's get your hashtag nature comedians uh puns in the mix let's get it started at best show here we go patrice o'neill right get it because it's trees but his name's patrice todd barry 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 barry's are in nature 201-332-3484 at Bed Show. Here we go. It's time for the guys. Get it in, guys, before it's time for the ladies. What other, uh, hashtag nature comedians puns are there that we can do? Uh, who else we got? Uh, 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 I don't know. Got to be some other ones, right? Huh. Help me out. At best show. Let's get some puns going here. Nothing? 
No one? Patrice O'Neill? We ain't got nothing for that? You guys? Really? Come on, it's at best show. Listen to the music. It tells you that it's time to get started. Right? At best show. Here we go. Let's do it. At best show. Let's go to the panel. See who's there. All right. Who's good here? One. Hey, welcome to At Best Show. What do you got for me with nature comedians? Hey. Hey, Knucklehead. Welcome to Richard. At Best Show. Richard Briarpatch. Richard Briarpatch. What is... I don't get it. R- Richard Pryor. Oh, Richard Pryor. Richard Briarpatch. Good one. Hey, welcome to At Best Show. What do you got for me? Hashtag Nature Comedians. Uh, Carrot Top. Yeah. All right, At Best Show. Hashtag Nature Comedians. What do you got? I've got uh, Nathan Field. Oh, that's a good one. Hashtag Nature Comedians. Let's do it. At Best Show. Here we go. Get some more. Get some others. Uh, what else we got? Uh, 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 Zach Plantin. No, that one doesn't work. Plantin Oswalt. There we go. Right? Plantin to Oswalt. Right? Plant- asphalt? No, that's the opposite of nature. Patent asphalt? No. All right. Welcome to Ed Pesho. What do we got? Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld. Out in the field. Oh, I got you, buddy. Thanks for being. Uh, thanks for playing the game at Best Show. All right, here we go. Nature comedians, let's get it going. One more. Then it's no dude member. Nothing. No. No. No one. Oh, here we go. At Best Show. Hashtag Nature comedians. Let's get it going. Mitch Hedgeberg. I'm going over to going online. Check the uh, the chat. We got uh, Mitch Hedgeberg, good one. Uh, Fignataro, funny stuff. Uh, who else we got? Cat Hilliams, yes, because hills are in nature. Uh, Aziz on Safari, that's good. Hey, welcome to that best show. What do we got? Hashtag uh, nature Fur, comedians. Stanhope. Who? Douglas Fur Stanhope. Doug Fur Stanhope, good one. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right. Final one for hashtag nature comedians on at best show. A roving segment that will pop up throughout the best show from now until the end of time. Welcome to at best show. What do we got? Mitch head of lettuce. Oh, I love it. Great one, bro. Hey, welcome to at best show. What do you got for me? Robin Williams. Robin what? Williams. Robin Williams. Yeah. Well, I don't get it. The bird? A raw... Okay, well, it's so literal. Yeah. But you know what? It flies at At Best Show. Thanks, buddy. All right, welcome to At Best Show. What do you got for me? Hashtag nature comedians. What? I remember him from Tommy Boy, Chris Barley. Chris Barley? Yeah, sure. Ah, there we go. All right, thanks, guys. That does it for At Best Show. Be back soon. And right now, it's time for the best show.
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the best show. My name is Tom Sharpling, the host of tonight's episode. And we have an exciting program planned for you tonight. In a little bit, we'll be talking to Cliff Nesteroff, author of an amazing book called The Comedians, which pretty much documents a hundred years of comedy. And we will have comedian and artist Mary Houlihan will be in the studio in a little bit. Music-wise, we just heard from Lame Drivers, their new album, So Great. So, so great. It's called Chosen Era. And the name of that song was Throw It to the Moon. It's awesome. This is the best thing I think they've done. I love this album so much. It's on the Bleeding Gold record label. So good. Congratulations, Lame Drivers. You did it. You did it. You magnificent bastards. I read your book, you magnificent. Right? Remember that? Remember when Patton was like yelling at... Who was he yelling at? Mike Rommel? Right? Him and Rommel, man, they did not like each other. That was uh, that was a real battle those two had going. Patton and Rommel, not friends. Although I bet you if they had just gotten together over a cold beer, right? They'd find the things they had in common. Yeah, lame drivers, you magnificent bastards, you did it again. Oh boy, fun night, huh? Fun night, huh, Mike? We got AP Mike here. For people who are new to the show, and we get new people all the time. It's not just me, Tom Sharpling. We've got a, a, a group of characters out in the on the other side of the studio that, boy, oh boy. When you first hear about these guys, you're going to be like... Really, that's the best you could do, Tom? You're you're disappointing. But you surround yourself with people. It's like, no, they're better than you. They're, they're so, but then you're going to listen. You're going to be like, you know what? I, I'm not sure which one I love the most. Whether I love AP Mike, the, the, the colorful, uh, uh, not a ne'er-do-well. What is he? Rapscallion? Yeah. He's just up to, he's up to whatever mischief he's up to. And he's, he's from Bayonne. He's just out on the streets of Bayonne. Just buying bootleg movies from the Dwayne Reed parking lot. Out of, out of trunk. What's good, Mike? You get Spectre yet? Not yet? Yeah. That'd be great. Really great way to watch a James Bond movie shot on an iPhone uh, at the with the wrong framing, the framing flipping constantly at a forty-five degree angle. And then there's Dudio. Oh, he's the guy. Dudio. Why do we call him Dudio? Because he's the dude who built the studio. I know. And I thought he was. The, I thought he was normal. 
then he starts telling me the story about his adventure, about when he went uh, on vacation, he met a, a cat in a hotel that was like a famous cat. Like, oh, this is the cat that everyone knows from the hotel. So what did he do? He promptly took the cat, brought it home, sold it. He didn't sell it. He flipped it. Traded it for two cats. He's been cat flipping like nobody's business, this guy. And then there's Pat Byrne, who... I've yet to figure out what his uh, what his thing is that will terrify me, but I'm sure it'll be may- potentially worse than the other two. It'll make AP Mike look like uh, look like uh, uh, a choir boy, right? No, but they're all here. They're working hard. I appreciate uh, their their efforts. And it is time. Last week we did a show where it was ladies only, and I'm continuing all month long. The guys cannot call. It is a dude-free zone. It is no dude-vember for the rest of the month. No dudes are getting through. And I'm telling you, I want, it's it's ladies or anyone who just is not a, a dude. Anyone who's not a dude. Anybody on the on the 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 continuum of gender, you call. We'll talk to you. Phone number two zero one. Three three two three four eight four. Oh, what's going on? What's going on? Let me think. I had to tell you about a few things. Well, the first thing is, I'm excited to announce the next Sharpling and Worcester live show. As you all know, we have played New York, Chicago, Seattle, Portland. San Francisco, Los Angeles, Nashville, and coming up, those are in the rearview mirror. The next shows coming up are Toronto, Boston, and Philadelphia. Those are going to close out 2015. And you can check all the tour dates over at Stereolaughs.com slash tour. Saturday, November 28th. In Toronto at the Mod Club. Sunday, November 29th, Cambridge, Massachusetts at the Sinclair. And Sunday, December 13th, Philadelphia at Union Transfer. Stereolaughs, L-A-F-F-S dot com slash tour. You get the ticket links are up there. Well, that closes out 2015. Now I know people are saying, but where are you going to play in 2016? Right? Is there a debate tonight? Who cares? The 11, like, really? You're gonna watch, what, I gotta watch, uh, uh, the, what's his face there? Ted Cruz? You imagine if that guy was president? Seriously. President Cruz? That guy? That's an uncomfortable looking dude, man. That dude does not look comfortable in his own skin. Right, Mike? You ever you ever get a good look at that guy? A picture of him kissing his wife. No, I didn't. I'll look for it. But you got all these guys. Who ca- who cares about any of these people, right? It's a year. It's a year and a half away from the election. None of these clowns are going to be president. 
I think Biden moves in as the Republican nominee. That's my prediction. I know it's, it's, uh, it's not the it's not the not the easy prediction. Biden re-registers as a Republican and wins all the debates and primaries, and uh, then you turn around and he's uh, president, and he runs against himself. Like he also enters as Democratic as a Democratic candidate. But then he'll enter as like an evil version of himself with like a fake mustache. And then he'll run against himself. And then like when he's doing a presidential debate, he'll run from podium to podium. Just putting the fake mustache on back and forth. Right? Arguing with himself. Then he'll start choking himself like, uh, like behind the podium. Like he'll start fighting himself. Pulling himself up and down like uh, Bye Bye Birdie. Remember when? when uh, remember when uh, uh, Janet Lee took on? Uh, 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 she went and uh, did uh, did a dance, uh, 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 a dance for all the uh, the Shriners or whatever that was. That's a troubling scene. That's my prediction. So, getting back to business. When will Sharpling and Worcester be playing live next? Well, let me tell you. If you live, get ready. Are you a resident of North Carolina? Because Sharpling and Worcester will be performing Saturday, February 27th in Durham, North Carolina at the Motoroco. Motoroco? Motorco Music Hall. In Durham, North Carolina, Saturday, February 27th. Tickets go on sale this Friday, November 13th at 10 a.m. Look out, Triangle. Here we come. Get ready to laugh, everybody in the Triangle. We're coming your way. Ready to bring the LARFs to North Carolina. The phone number, 201-332-3484. No dude Vember. No dudes can get through. Mike is uh, screening calls like nobody's business. The gatekeeper, he's like, uh, what's his face? He's like Idris Elba in uh, in the Thor movies. Hemdall, was that his name? Yeah. Those Thor movies, boy, that's... Uh... That's a thrilling franchise. Thor. Right? A little bit of Thor goes a long way. That's all I'm going to say. You drop him into uh Avengers movie, you're like, yeah, I think I got enough Thor. Hey, don't worry, there's a two and a half hour Thor movie coming out. Yeah, I'm good. No, no, no. Just wait till you see what he uh, does when he tries to uh, ride these bumper cars at the thing. He's confused because it's... Okay, What? Oh, wait till you see what Thor does when he uh, uh, the, plays the game at the uh, the, the strength game uh, the, at the bar, punching the punch bag. And he knocks it off. Okay. Again. Saturday, February 27th. Motor Co. Music Hall, Durham, North Carolina, Sharpling and Worcester Live. Tickets go on sale this Friday, November 13th at 10 a.m. 
And tickets will, information is up at stereolaughs.com slash tour. Okay. And the Best Show Sticker Initiative is underway. The stickers are in stores. You can go to thebestshow.net and look down on the lower left corner. There's a little clicky thing to click on then read all about where you can get your stickers. They're at stores and you just go in and you say, I'd like my Best Show sticker, please. And if you are a store owner who feels that your store uh, would be a good representative uh, uh, for, for this... Drop me a line. I'll send you some stickers. We'll put you on the list. It's good. Then maybe people coming in buy a couple things. It'll be fun. Get your stickers. Who's good here, Mike? One. Best show. You're on the air. Tom. Yells. Hi. This is Rocky from Chicago. Rocky from Chicago. That's me. What's up, Rocky? I have one for the uh, Wi-Fi bop topic. How many times have people done that for you? Ever? Have that ever? Is this the first time somebody's gone? I say that that's the first time, yeah. Right? <laughs> You've never heard that. Well, it's the Rocky theme. I'm no, going to explain it to you. I'm going to mansplain it to you. Oh, that's Rocky. Okay. See, it's a dude Rocky, movie. Rocky. Rocky. Right? I feel like I'm more of a Rocket J squirrel type. You are? You like uh, Bullwinkle and Rocky? Yeah. Bullwinkle's kind of stupid, though, right? Oh, he totally is. Who's but, your favorite uh, character? You great, like... great comedy to be found there. Do you like Do you like the squirrel, uh, the Rocket uh, J Squirrel, or Bullwinkle better? Who do you like better? I mean, they're kind of a, they kind of go hand in hand. They're kind yeah. of a package deal. I agree. Well, I mean, one is the brains and one is the brawn, huh? Mm, I agree. And I like those but, little... Uh, uh, I mean, I definitely... I like the little goggles that he wears, right? Yeah. I like that he's a blue squirrel also. Yeah. He's not it's a gray very rare. Not like Gary the squirrel, who's gray. Classic gray no. squirrel. Classic. Yes. So, Rocky from Chicago, from the mean streets of Chicago, the place the where the, the, the pizza runs deep, right? Mm-hmm. What's deeper there? Your love of the blues... Or, or the pizza? Um, I'd say pizza, because I feel like the pizza scene in Chicago isn't so much about the deep dish as it is about, like, the pizza ethos mm-hmm. of, like, pizza is a dish that's meant to be shared by mm-hmm. friends. Now, do they ever, uh, when you go get, like, a, how about, like, a hot dog that you get there? Do they ever, do you ever just see them just putting everything that they have in the place on the hot dog? Have you ever caught them putting, like, like napkins on it? Like, just because they're throwing anything <laughs> that they've got on the hot dog? I haven't gotten napkins before, but I have gotten, like, non-Orthodox Chicago dog ingredients. Like, things that were in the trays, but aren't necessarily part of the normal makeup of a uh, Chicago dog. Like, I ended up with, uh, I forget even, like, I ended up with, like, feta cheese on there once. At some feta place. cheese? They, just were like, liter- they were, like, just literally everything, and I was like, oh. No. Everything doesn't mean Everything doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you order like an, if you ordered like an everything, like, you know, an everything bagel, do you have that there? An everything yeah, bagel? All yeah, basically, no, it doesn't literally yeah, mean everything. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't mean, every, first of all, everything bagel, what is it? it? They put salt and poppy seeds it's and, and, uh, poppy uh, seeds and like 
caraway seeds and like yeah. uh, sesame seeds. It's yeah. everything. It's everything within reason. Yeah, it's a few that seeds. Should be it. it should be a it's everything within reason bagel. Salt and a couple seeds. Yeah. <laughs> But then you look at it. It's not like it's it's not like an anything bagel. We're going to look at it. Suddenly, it's got a ketchup all over it because they're just throwing anything they got back in the kitchen there. Yeah, we can't have that. Let me ask you, Rocky. When you go to a place where you can see them make the food, this is what mm-hmm. I do. I can't look at them making my food. It's a weird thing. God forbid I see something weird going on. You know what I mean? I just look away. If it's like one of those things where the the people are right in my line of vision, I like, order. Uh... Like right in front of you, like the guy you're talking to you is making your burrito or your hot dog or what have you. That kind, of, or or they're like five feet away from the counter, like behind the grill is against the wall, behind the counter. I look away. I don't want to see what goes on. Yeah, I don't want to know. Suspicious of, I'm more suspicious of the guy in like the far back behind the window. You uh-huh. know? Yeah, the little where it's like, what is going on behind yeah. that window that I can't see through that window because that window is pretty small. That window is small, and they slide the receipt, the, the little uh, the, the, the little tags through it. And then he goes, uh, yeah, nah, what do you want, an Adam and Eve on a raft, right? <laughs> so, Rocky, what did, you have, what, what did you have for the topic? I didn't mean to take you down this scenic route. Oh, quite all right. I like taking the scenic way. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, my thing was about, uh, it was a why I bother, or why do I bother yeah. topic. And uh, it's about bike riding in the city, actually, because, like, I try to be a good, uh, I mean, I'm not a motorist, I'm on my bicycle, but, I, you know, I try to obey the traffic laws and be as considerate as possible. Mm-hmm. I always end up with this situation where I come to, especially, like, a four-way stop, yeah. where um, I'm coming up to the stop sign, and I see there are cars coming from either side, so I stop, because it's a stop sign, and, you know, you stop at the stop sign. Yeah, yeah. But? And... The cars that have stopped at the stop signs at the uh, street that's perpendicular to the one that I'm on mm-hmm. will try and wave me through after I've stopped. Yeah. And it's kind of like, why do I bother? Because all you have to do to, like, blow through this intersection is, like, put your foot down a little bit. Yeah. I have to, like, stand up on my bike, regain my momentum, regain my balance. I'm probably already out of breath. So it's kind of a, you know, why do I bother? Why do I bother trying to let people the have, who have the right of way, who got there second in line to the uh, four-way stop, why do I try and let them go and then they won't, like, let, they won't just go? Can I ask you, look, I, I hear you with that. I can't relate to it because I don't ride a bicycle. I'm one of those people in a car. I tend to mm-hmm. do my, I get my exercise. Uh, here's my regimen pretty much. Go to the gym. Once a week, I put all the weights on the leg push thing, right? <laughs> Generally, like a, like between eleven and twelve hundred pounds. I do one, right? Do the same mm-hmm. thing for arms between eleven and twelve hundred pounds. Do one, then do the same thing for like crunchers for like abs, stomach. Mm-hmm. Do one, I leave. I come back a week later. Hi, everybody. Tim Heidecker here. We have a brand new office hours that just came out of the oven. We've got legendary psych rocker Ty Siegel. And Doug is back from down under. G'day. G'day. And his mommy came with him. Mommy and Gary Lusenhop are here, too. Alicia let me know that she finished the White Album, has thoughts on that. So much more on this legendary episode of Office Hours. 
Find us on your podcast app of choice or watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash office hours live. Where are the animals? Because I don't smell them. And the only problem I have is that I break a lot of the equipment sometimes because I'm too, like, I'll <laughs> put too many weights on it and I fall through the floor to the next level. <laughs> why do i bother it's like you'd think that more weight would be better yeah but so i don't know i don't know the bike riding as much so but you rocky can you confess as a bike rider what's uh, something you wish that your fellow bike riders would would stop like there's got to be some for me if i had to guess this is the thing i wish they'd stop um screaming at everyone as if Every other mode of movement is some sort of law against is a violation of nature is what I would oh, yeah. respectfully ask bicyclists to uh, dial it down a notch in terms of I would respectfully ask the same. I was trying to cross the street the other day. You know what? Bicycle riders never stop for those like mid street crosswalks. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what uh, kind of crosswalk situation you have over there, but we have these like. At most of the, like, mid-street crosswalks, they'll have these signs up that say, like, stop, yield to pedestrians, you know, state law, whatever. And none of the bike riders whipping down the streets ever stop for them. And so I'm walking down the street because all the cars have stopped because it's state law for the cars to stop. Mm-hmm. And this dude, like, comes, like, whipping by me, and he's like, hey, 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 hey. Yeah. Like, how was I supposed to know you decided to run a crosswalk today yeah. and almost take my head off? Poor, poor. Is that poor manners, or, they, or are they poorly raised? Is that a manner of of how they were raised at home? That's kind of a nature or nurture thing. I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Well, Rocky, I'm going to say thank you so much for calling. Thank you, Tom. Have a grand evening. Best show. You're on the air. Hi, Tom. It's Julie from Cincinnati. Oh my goodness. Stu- I, I don't have to get up in the morning tomorrow. A star. A star caller. One of the bright um, lights of the best show. And did you know when I was like five, I got to leave kindergarten? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, I didn't know this already before you, you even tell the thing. Because I don't know how, I don't think I know a whole lot about you when you were five. But I want to hear what I, it is. I was on TV. You were on TV when you were five? Yeah. What it show? Was, it was this, the Uncle Al show. Uncle Al? Yeah, he was a horrible man. He really was. Who but, the hell uh, is Uncle Al? Uh, he's some guy on TV here in Cincinnati. And all the kids would go on the show, and he just yelled at them, like, move here, do this, do that. So, and, uh, and was it like a, like a cart, they, did he play cartoons or something? I think that, like, all I remember is that everybody did the twist, and then the next day we watched it, and um, we got to see ourselves doing the twist. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. It was, like, um, the highlight of age five. So it was fun in spite of Uncle Al. Yeah. it was. I mean, the next day was fun. Yes. It was fun in retrospect, but not fun when Uncle Al's screaming at you in the studio. No, he really wasn't nice. I don't know why he had a kids show. Yeah. But whatever. Uncle Al. What if... Yeah. What if... Maybe... You know what? Those would have been the opportunities that I would have uh, had if if it was just 40 years ago, right? Just 40 years ago if I was... I would have been some... You just need a straw hat. Yeah, I would have done... They would have done kids shows, had a thing and... 
right? Played the accordion. Played yeah. the accordion. Bring out a uh, hey kids, you want to see AP Mike? Right. Get you could have like a you could hire like a kid to dress up like Gary the Squirrel and come out and stuff too, like a big Gary the Squirrel. You know what I would make Mike do? He'd be. I'd Hand call, out the cookies. No, I'd call I'd call him uh, Toilet Man, right? Hey kids, you oh. wanna you wanna meet Toilet Man? And I'd have this Toilet Man, this giant toilet built that Mike would have to like talk by moving the lid, <laughs> like some costume he'd have, he'd to, have like, to climb into. What's going on, Toilet Man? <laughs> Not much. And he's like tired because he's like pushing the. Li- he's at a weird angle. He's like, I would have him be like upside, like folded as if he was like doing like Apollo thirteen or something. But a toilet. I think that would be really amazing. Right? Yeah, you know you could do that now because you're in charge of the show. I could call him Toilet Man. No, but that would be if it was a kid show. But nobody, and they they don't do kid shows anymore. Right? But you might, maybe you could make him dress up like a toilet for the Christmas show or something. Only if the, look, the only way we'd do this whole. Christmas toilet. It would only work if uh, there was money uh, to pay him. I wouldn't be, you know. Just, oh, yeah. It, just like that. It would, it'd be, he'd be backstage moaning that he's in the toilet costume and be like, yeah, you're getting your money. Shut up. Right? What do you That's think right. you're getting paid for? I'd drop his paycheck right in his toilet. It would hit him in the face. <laughs> be like, yeah, that's why you're getting a toilet costume. Right? He'd be like, you're right. He'd be at like a, Tom. he'd be doing like appearances at like, at like plumbing stores and stuff. Yeah. Toilet man will be at, toilet man will be at, at Lowe's this weekend, right? He'd be, he'd he, be like R2D2. He'd he be like, like that. Out little cookies from inside the toilet. From inside the toilet, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, pick them out of the toilet. Yeah, and he'd hand, he'd hand them out. Kids would reach Maybe. in to see his face down in there, right? Hey, yeah, maybe man. have some uh, dog treats in his pocket. Just yeah, in, in case, case a dog shows up. Yeah. Right? He'd be like Kenny Baker, stuck in that R2-D2 costume. You know what I heard <laughs> I happened to him once? I don't know what that means, but that's funny. He's a dude who operated R2-D2. You know what I heard happened to him once? And I think this might be uh, an apocryphal tale. I heard once... What? I heard they forgot about him between the making of Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And he was stuck inside that thing for two years. Holy cow. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. I heard they were just like, all right, let's get the gang back together. Star Wars 3, here we go, Return of the Jedi. Okay, Maybe everybody's here. he was so good at it. Yeah, then they're like, wait, because he, he had two years to practice in a warehouse yeah. somewhere trying to get yeah. people's attention, right? Uh-huh. Beep, boop, 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 beep. He's doing that, and they're just like, Oh, look, R2-D2's doing his fun dance. It's like, no. Meanwhile, Kenny Baker's inside the thing screaming, Let me out! Get me out of here! Hey, life's tough. Life is tough. Sometimes, sometimes you're the one sticking someone in an R2-D2 costume for two years. Sometimes you're the one stuck in an R2-D2 costume for two years. Yes. So, Julie, what's going on tonight? Um, listen, honestly, nothing. I just got my mm-hmm. review from work. You did? Uh, How did it go? Like, I've worked really hard this year, and I got, 
I got the top marks because my, uh, somebody just quit and my boss wanted to make me happy, mm-hmm. but, like, I don't even care. Mm-hmm. Good. It's good. It's good. I'm glad to hear. That's so, awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. Now I'm going to be looking for a new job, uh, one where I can spend more time on Twitter. Sure. Wait. But you're not on Instagram, though, right? Yes, I'm on Instagram. Oh, wait, you are. But when are you ever going to put a picture of one of your dogs up there? Um, um, I'll put one up today, maybe. You haven't seen them lately. I'm kidding. You, do- you I know. Your dogs are well documented. I love it, though. I love it. That, that's a, the, are uh, your dogs worried that they haven't been photographed in the last five minutes while you were on the phone? Uh, Harvey is. Like, Harvey's I get a... out the phone and Harvey sits down the little white one. Mm-hmm. He's the one that shows up the most. Mm-hmm. I get out the phone and he starts whining, like, yeah. take my picture. So he's just like, right now, he's like, why, why are you not taking my picture? Yeah. Is something wrong? Yeah. Poor Harvey. Yeah. Well, he'll make it, right? Uh, and you'll so. live, Harvey, right? You'll live. Yeah. All yeah. right, Julie. Well, congratulations on... More dog pictures. Don't be such a stranger. Call in. I li- I love when you call in. It's hard to stay up this late, honestly. Well, like, that's... I know that's that's how boring my life is. Nah. But, like, I think I remember... a holiday. I think I remember somebody saying to me, life's hard, life's tough. Right? It is. It's hard. 30 Tom, seconds ago I'm, was you. I'd call more if you'd hang up. If I'd what? If you'd hang Happens to everybody. Happens to everybody. Well, my friends, the time has come to raise the root. What now? Throw away the work to be done. As I told you, tonight's episode of The Best Show is brought to you by Squarespace. Now, you all know that building a website can be tough. And even if you know your way around coding, creating something that looks good and is functional, it's hard. It takes time. I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to that stuff. It's a disaster when I start doing that. It's a straight-up mess. Stinks for everybody around because I'm begging for help. It ends with me begging for help. So whether you're doing a website for a uh, business site, portfolio, restaurant, or whatever else, in this day and age, you need uh, you need to be online with a website. And uh, thank goodness for Squarespace because it makes it easy to build beautiful websites without breaking a sweat. They provide simple and powerful and beautiful websites that look professionally designed regardless of skill level. No coding required. And not only does Squarespace provide you with intuitive and easy-to-use tools to create your website with, Squarespace also has state-of-the-art technology powering your site to ensure stability and security. And you know you can trust in Squarespace for your website needs when millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world use them. Seriously. You cannot beat the ease and simplicity of Squarespace. They give you 24-7 online support and a beautiful website. What are you waiting for? Start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, use offer code BESTSHOW to get 10% off your first purchase and to show support for the best show. That's squarespace.com. Offer code BESTSHOW. To get 10% off your first purchase, we thank Squarespace for supporting the best show. We appreciate it. Now you go do your part. Support the best show. Support Squarespace for supporting the best show. Squarespace, build it a beautiful.
football season marches on, and while your season-long fantasy team might be going nowhere fast, every week is a new shot for glory at DraftKings.com. DraftKings is the destination for one-week fantasy football where you can relive the fantasy draft and play for huge prizes each and every week. Challenge your friends in a custom league or join an existing one to play your for your share of the billion dollars in prizes up for grabs this year. Pick your contest, draft your players, and collect your winnings. That's it. Renew old rivalries or create new ones by going head-to-head with friends, colleagues, and fantasy players all over the country. DraftKings is crowning a new millionaire every week this season. You could be next, but only if you play. DraftKings, it's not fantasy as usual. It's DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. So hurry on over to DraftKings.com right now. Use promo code BEST and play for free with your first deposit in Sunday's Million Dollar Fantasy Football Contest. First place takes home hundred grand and a lifetime of bragging rights. Enter BEST. For free entry now, only at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com, DraftKings.com. Best show. That's right. We do it. It's best show time. What's up, clowns? Another thing that's going on? Mike? You know what's going on in uh, December? People are calling it the best of both worlds. Do you know what that is? Mike, do you know who Dave Hill is? Well, get ready for this detail. Pat? Do you know who Dave Hill is? Well, December 7th and 8th, it is called The Best of Both Worlds. Dave Hill does his show on Monday night on WFMU, and I will be a guest on his show. Then Tuesday, December 8th, Dave Hill will be a guest on The Best Show. Back to back and a belly to belly, to quote the late, great John Sterling. It is high. It is far. It is... Caught on the warning truck. Those are my favorite John Sterling calls. When that windbag, that when he overstates his uh, the call because he's looking to make an exciting baseball call for the Yankees. So yes, in December, Tom Sharpling on Dave Hill's show. Dave Hill on Tom Sharpling's show. Uh, back to back. The best of both worlds. A little more uh, info coming on that. My exciting return to WFMU. Well, I've been back, though. What am I saying? My return. I've been there. I've done that. I've been on... Whose show was I on? Joe Firestone! I was on her show, right? I was on Joe Firestone's show. I've been all over. You can't hold the best show down. They try, though. They try, man, I tell you. They scheme. I, sometimes I think there's a rat inside the family, too. Not going to name names. Sometimes I'm worried there's a rat trying to bring it down. I got my suspicions. I got my suspicions. So, I was telling you. 
the stickers, you go to thebestshow.net, scroll down. If you have a store and you want stickers, you uh, write me. Say we, you want to be part of the Best Show sticker initiative. If you uh, want stickers, you go to one of the stores that are listed. My friends, I went. I had an exciting day yesterday. Boy, was it a thrill. Jury duty. How about that? Who doesn't love jury duty? An exciting day in jury duty. I postponed. I originally was supposed to go in September, and you know when you when you when you get that first call for it, sometimes they'll just tell you, "And eh, we got enough people coming out for the for the uh, for it. you don't have to come in." But when you postpone, man, you are nailed. You're coming in. So I got to postpone because I was out and about on tour. Yeah, that rat. Somebody just put a picture on uh, on uh, on Twitter of a rat. In the organization, the best organization, they put the shot from the the last thing from the departed, that rat, on the windowsill. Boy, I'm sure Martin Scorsese wishes he could have that one back, right? That final shot. Maybe he shouldn't have done the rat, right? Rat was a little too on the nose. Probably shouldn't have had a rat on the windowsill. A little too easy to figure out. I think he could have gotten a point across without putting a rat on the windowsill. So yeah, so I, I I got the got the call, had to go in, jury duty. Yesterday. Get in. Uh, what was it like? Eight o'clock. I was there. And I'm telling you, you, look. You think I want to be there? No, I don't. But man, you look at these. Uh, you look at these people with this jury duty, man. They they act like a. They just found out they had to go. Uh, uh. You know, an hour earlier. They knew they were going for for months. But they're acting like they don't even know they're going. It's like they like they're in the, the gulag, lined up, going in. It's like, just make the best of this, huh? Just make the best of it. It's a lady behind me as we're going in th- through the thing, and she's moaning already. So early. So early. It's going to be all day. All day. And the people who work at this uh, jury duty, the people who work there, they're trying so hard. That is the most thankless job you could have because everybody hates you. you. It's your fault that jury duty's happening, according to those people. And this woman was being so nice. She's just like, uh, hey, uh, everyone, just please come forward with the, your letter and uh, and please have a valid form of ID out. And this lady goes... Lady goes, uh, ah, valid form of ID. I don't have that. Well, I don't have that. You know, like, so, like, it's like, like first, you don't have a valid form of ID on you. Just looking for problems. Looking for problems. So we all sit in the room, giant room, hundreds of people in it. And I'm looking around this room. Ah, you know. I don't know anybody in this room, obviously. But then, two, du- two, two dudes are sitting behind me, chit-chatting away. Turns out they know each other. Who knows anybody in that, that room? Then I'm telling you, a third dude comes over. He's like, hey, blah, 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 what's up, man? Three dudes ran into each other. 
three pals at jury duty. And I'm like, what is this? And they're blabbing away, broing it up, talking talking about vacations, and I went to Hawaii, and this. You ever go to Hawaii? Yeah. And then the one guy was like, yeah, I went to Ireland. There were no good-looking chicks there. He kept talking about how there were no good-looking chicks in Ireland. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they were pounding your door down to let 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 uh you know of their existence no good what a goon and i'm like waiting for the they're waiting for the the thing to start and now i'm starting to get that feeling of like all right i was rolling with the spirit of this thing now i want to get out of here i almost wanted to m- complain like be like yeah, these guys are one of the guys these guys cursed i'm offended uh i think i need to leave for moral reasons <laughs> You just try to find any reason to get out, but I didn't do that. So then, then everybody's in the thing. They're like, "All right, let's watch the video." And then the lady comes up and she's up front and she says, "Look, I know you guys are gonna. You don't want to be here. I get it. But you're gonna come up to the window. I'm behind, and you're gonna give me. I've heard everything. I've seen everything." I'm here every day. I've heard it all. And then, but then this lady goes to play the video and she can't play it. It's like, wait, I thought you were here every day. You can't operate, you can't press play on the thing? What happened to I'm here every day? Then they play the dumb video. It's so boring. I'm sitting in that room. I'm going to try to read. I brought Catch-22 with me for the 80th time. Didn't get more than three pages through. I've read those first three pages. I've read those first three pages of that 80 times at this point. That's my Catch-22. I can't. I enjoy the first three pages, but then I put it down and start reading some uh, book about... uh, I'm reading Catch-22. Well, oh, no, wait, there's, there's I got, oh, uh, Baba Booey's got a book out now. I guess I'll read that, and then I'll get back to Catch-22. Next thing I turn around, didn't read it. Oh, I read Catch, let me pick Catch-22 up again. Okay, I'm reading this. Oh, oh, there's a book, the the oral history of, uh, oh, it's the oral history of the Transformers movies. Yeah, okay, I'll read that. So I'm sitting there reading the same three pages again. And then who's behind me? That lady, complaining lady, moaning about the pro. It's like, shut up. Then they call our names. We start getting online. This lady's right behind me again, moaning. Oh, we got to go down the hall. Yeah, we got to go down the hall. What do you think? We're going to bring jury, bring the courtroom to us? We got to go to it. We get in. We sit. Judge starts talking. And I tell you, this judge was pretty awesome. He sold jury duty. I was ready. I was ready for a year and a half long case where this judge was talking. I was eating out of the palm of this dude's hands. Ready. Ready to serve. Then he says, all right, let's, uh, if you have a hardship and you could not work this case for, it's a two day case. 
two-day trial if you could not uh, w- work this uh, thing. We hear your hardship. And this one guy, so the people are going up, and some of these people are clearly can't do it for work reasons or whatever. Then this one dude. There was this one dude. He looked like, he looked like Vince Vaughn and Dane Cook had a son. He was in the courtroom wearing sunglasses. Like aviator shades. Like, in the courtroom wearing aviator shades. And he gets on the line for this thing. And I'm just like, man, these people. Going up to a judge wearing sunglasses. Can you imagine? Yeah, Your Honor, I got a hardship. I got my eyes on a new pair of sunglasses. And uh, I was planning on swinging my sunglass hut tomorrow. Though this counts as a hardship for me. And the judge like sits that guy right down. Like, the look on his face is like he's had to sit back down. He thought he was going to, like, leave, but. Then you start just looking at these people in this courtroom, man. That's the problem with the system. It's a system of your peers, of the people. The problem is the people. If that judge turned and said, all right, there's actually a giant sting operation, we gotcha. 80% 80% of those people get up and try to run because you know they're up to, they're up to something, right? They're up to something, right, Mike? Yeah. They're up to something. Then he's like, all right, here's the case. The trial, it's... Uh, I'm not going to say exactly what it is because I don't think I'm supposed to, but then... He starts explaining the thing, and then suddenly I realize the defendant's in the courtroom. He's sitting there, five feet away from me. So now I can only stare at this guy and his twitchy leg. This was a jumpy, this dude was jumpy, man. And I stared at him for 20 minutes, twitching his leg, pouring his water into a little cup like a dentist rinse cup. Like the Dixie cup, the one you rinse out with. It's like, just drink it out of the bottle, weirdo. And I'm just like, man, this dude, this is maybe the most guilty person I've ever seen in my life. And then I look across the aisle and that lady, after being told, after we were all told, just like, guys, you can't do your phones or any nooks or anything in the iPads in the courtroom. She's got her nook out reading a book complaining lady oh wait don't you want to watch them vet people isn't this the most interesting thing most interesting thing i've ever seen is watching people answering questions to see if they can get on the jury or not and so i'm staring at this dude i can't i'm just i got i got my mind made up this guy's guilty But then there's like the Q&A and they say like, what TV shows do you watch? And then some of these people are giving the most bland answers. Yeah, I don't watch TV. Yeah, I really don't have time for TV. I don't watch TV. Oh, yeah. No, no one here watches TV. No one. Apparently this is uh, suddenly I got the Algonquin round table got called in for jury duty. No one watches TV. Now all you and then I realized how they all want to be on a case. They're playing it bland and vague. 
They're playing it vague. They're trying to just be uh, unnoticed. They could slip through the cracks. Yeah, I don't watch TV. Sure you do. I could tell you watch TV. I watch whatever the guy. I watch whatever my wife throws on the TV. Sure, yeah. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you just sit there. But they wanted to be bland. Then finally, I got. Uh, I had to answer questions, and I mentioned uh, that uh, I would. I, I have a relative who's on the police force, and then that plus. Uh, and look, did I hit that a little harder? Then I would, yeah, probably. Did the spell of this judge wear off? Once I saw I would have to sit with 13 other mutants for two or three days? Yeah, it did. Does that make me not a great American? Yeah, probably. But, so did I hit the uh, law and order side of things a little harder than normal? Hmm. Yes, guilty as charged. Suddenly I was like uh, Joe Friday. Reagan. I was like Reagan, Mr. Law and Order. I got bounced. But look, I had already made my mind up this dude was guilty. That's not good. That's not good. Mr. Twitchy Leg. Mr. Twitchy Leg drinking his water out of his weird Dixie cup, rinse cup. I made my mind up. Not fair to that guy who was clearly guilty and is guilty, my estimation. So I got bounced back to the bullpen where everybody is, and then who who's sitting right near me? That same lady, moaning, "Oh, oh, when are they going to let us out of here? What do you have going on? What's she rushing off to? Some Fortune 500 meeting? I tell you, man." It was something else. Seeing the mutants. Just the mutants. God bless you, mutants. You're all in one place together. Oh, no, I'm a, I'm not any different. I'm just a different a strain of mutant. I'm not, I'm not better than any of these people. No, I'm the same. I'm the weird mutants reading the three, same three pages of Catch-22 again. I got my own foibles. I know that. You don't think I know the score? I'm probably worse because these people don't even know they're mutants. I know I'm a mutant. I know I'm broken. Got a broken pinball machine, right? Just sitting there. The people start throwing their jackets on top of it. I'm like a broken Nordic track, right? Put your dirty clothes on it. That's all I am. Then your mail, then the mail ends up on it. Got some jackets, some pants, mail ends up on it. Uh, oh no, uh, then next thing you know, it's a, it's a, just a coat rack. That's me. I know the score. Then they called everybody. They're like, just so you know, when you're in the bullpen, doesn't mean you're excused. We, you might get called for another case and they say, all right, we're going to call some more people for the thing. That lady moans again. As if they just announced they were the, the canceling Christmas. What? Oh, what are they doing? Ah, oh, man, I, I, I can't, I can't. That said, certainly want to get out of it next year. Next year? 
Huh. Three years. They were like, yeah, we've got three years. You'll get called three years from now. I'm just like, so I'm instantly already trying to figure out how to get out of it three years from now. 2018. Got to get my, my uh, story in place. If they br- called, the, you know, when they call you up there and they're like, uh, what TV shows do you watch? I would say, yeah, I watch uh, a lot of uh, Sons of Anarchy. Much a lot. Anything Kurt Sutter does. Huge fan. I like Sons of Anarchy. I like the movie Southpaw. Like uh, Locked Up Abroad. I like all the uh, MSNBC programming on the weekend. All the jail shows. That'd be a tip-off for any other judge. Those judges would get rid of you. Is this who I think it is on on uh, Hotline Mike? I'm being told to go to the hotline that it's uh, that uh, the usual uh, riffraff is not to be attended to right now because on the hotline we have a uh, a famous person, an author. Uh, uh, Cliff Nesteroff is here with us. Are you there, sir? Yes, the brand new riffraff is here. The new riffraff. How are right. you? I'm very well. I'm very tired. I've been up since 6 a.m., but uh, prepping a show with Robert Smigel and Triumph the Insult Comic Dog tomorrow night, and uh, it's a lot of work. Yeah, that is a lot of work. Well, I don't yeah. know why why they, why don't they do it in shifts, the two of them, right? Do they ever? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Triumph is a, is a dog, and it's always difficult working with dogs. It's sure. also uh, he's also a puppet, and uh, logistically and technically, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. To work with puppets because you usually need like a fake brick wall or something for them to perform uh, yes. uh, on top of, you know. Some so. sort of, yes. I don't know how Robert Smigel seems like the planet's number one uh, candidate for some sort of knee surgery because <laughs> everything you see him do triumph and he's on his back and he's at these weird angles. Yeah, and he wears like a, a headset mic sometimes, yeah. like uh, Garth Brooks or something, and uh, that's always kind of a humbling and humiliating thing, I think, for a performer to have to put one of those on. You know, it's really amazing to see if you ever can catch a glimpse of him doing it. It's unbelievable to see. But we're yeah, not well, here to talk about him. We're here to talk about you, Cliff Nesteroff. Damn straight. You, sir. Yes. Are the author of a book called The Comedians. Drunks, Thieves, Scoundrels, and the History of American Comedy. Now, this book is so great. Congratulations on putting together a book that is so entertaining and really sums up pretty much a a, a century of entertainment, more or less, right? About a century? Yeah, Yeah, it's it's kind of arbitrary, but I tell people it's a 100 years of, uh, of comedy. So basically uh, 1915 to 2015 or 1905 to 2005, it's kind of uh, gray, but more or less 100 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it is so entertaining. Every page was either would make me gasp or laugh or shake my head. I could not have. I wish this book was 500 pages longer than it was. Oh, thank you so much. What was something that uh, made you gasp in the book? I'm curious. Well, knowing that the Three Stooges were on Hitler's kill list was one of the early uh, things in the story. I was just like, so so Hitler had a kill list. 
Yeah, that was according to this guy named uh, Elwood Ullman, who wrote and directed a bunch of Three Stooges uh, shorts. He's the uh, the source for that. I do not have a copy of uh, of the kill list written in German that says, you know, uh, in German writing and then Mo Howard, Curly Howard, or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of us had uh, Joe Besser and Curly Joe on our own personal kill lists, but I have not uh, <laughs> I have not seen the actual uh, letter that Hitler addressed that said uh, we must exterminate the Stooges. But according to one of their writers at uh, Columbia Pictures in the 1940s, this guy Elwood Ullman, he uh, he uh, insists that that is the truth. Mm-hmm. And that was because they had made a couple movies making fun of Hitler. That's right, yeah. They made one called uh, You uh, Nazi Spy, N-U-T-Z-Y, you know, a classic Nazi pun, another one of those. And uh, I forget the other one. But, yeah, they did. And apparently Jack Benny, who made uh, To Be or Not To Be uh, for Ernst Lubitsch, was also on that kill list for uh, parodying Hitler. And, uh, and of course, all these guys were, were Jewish to begin with, so they may have been on that kill list uh, regardless of their uh, film comedy. But, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, and that's just one. I'm telling you, every page was entertaining in this book. You know, it's, it, 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 let me just give a little bit of context. Uh, Cliff, you, sure. you, it's fun, funny that you were, uh, you have a WFMU uh, connection uh, yes. that runs pretty deep. You started writing for the WFMU blog. Yeah, way back, way back. Uh, maybe just a year or two after it started, I started uh, uh, writing stuff uh, uh, frequently. It used to be like a weekly thing where I would just uh, post little uh, embed weird videos that I would find and stuff like that. But slowly but surely, as I realized the uh, wide reach of WFMU's website at that time, I started putting uh, infinitely more effort into things and uh, and writing these elaborate articles, and people would always complain about the uh, the white text on a back a black background, uh, which was none of my doing. But uh, I would write these long, long pieces that uh, essentially were almost uh, feature length magazine articles, but on the internet. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I did that for for almost uh, ten years. And oddly enough, around the same time you left WFMU. Uh, was more or less the same time that I left as their uh, website just kind of degraded into uh, nothingness. <laughs> uh, but you, ha- you, you, you wrote some pretty amazing things there. And was that was that you've always been fascinated with with the history of comedy, Cliff? Well, no, not really. I was uh, like a record collector when I was a teenager, so it came out of a fascination when I would go to a thrift store or a record store or a junk store and see the same records by these comedians I'd never heard of, like Rusty Warren and Woody Woodbury and Von Meter's First Family, they would be in every single uh, junk store and record store, and yet I'd never heard of them or seen them on TV or radio or in movies. And I just I couldn't understand why they would be in every record store, yet I'd never heard of them. I just assumed that they must have been famous at some point. And then when I was very young, I learned the story behind Von Meter that he was a JFK impersonator without much of an act. He just sounded like JFK. And these hucksters, these disc jockeys, saw that they could maybe make some money by putting out a JFK parody record in 1961. And uh, sure enough, it was a huge hit, uh, this record, The First Family. It was not only the most uh, successful comedy record of all time at that point, it was the best-selling record of all time up to that point, selling something like 6 million copies in 12 months. And because so they, Von Meter, they yeah. were trying to sell the thing, 
they 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 could not keep it in stock. You could you would actually buy the LP and be told to come back later for the jacket. That's right. They couldn't print the jackets fast enough. They hired extra pressing plants in Jersey to crank them out. Colony Records in New York was like extending their hours, three hours every night, just to deal with the demand and the lines for this record. Nobody had parodied uh, JFK yet, and he was so popular that this record became popular. But Von Meter was basically an amateur comedian from New England. He just had this similar accent to JFK, and he had a similar haircut. So he was kind of thrust into the spotlight before he was ready. He didn't really have much stage experience. He Mm -hmm. just had the voice and the look. So the record comes out. It's a huge hit. They sent him on a countrywide tour. He he played Carnegie Hall, but it was the equivalent of an open micer playing Carnegie Hall. And uh, when I was researching the book, I found this great uh, review and variety of Von Meter at, at uh, Carnegie Hall, and the headline was "Meter Bombs." And the only positive thing in the review was uh, praising his opening act, a guy named Stanley Myron Handelman who was an obscure comedian from the 60s and 70s. Um, but then, of course, JFK got assassinated, and suddenly the guy who had the best-selling record of all time uh, is, is no more. Yeah, he's out of business. Uh, yeah, and they issued a recall. Cadence Records recalled all the LPs uh, uh, first week of December after the assassination, and then Von Meter's, all his bookings were canceled. He was canceled off the Grammy Awards, off a TV show called Hoot and Nanny, the Joey Bishop show. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of affected him mentally. And I learned this later that he was lost. He was trying to reinvent himself, but nobody wanted to listen to him anymore because it reminded them of the assassination. Yeah, yeah. He still kind of had that voice. So he started kind of like ambling around, couldn't get work, apparently started uh, uh, turning into a bit of a hobo. He was eating out of dumpsters. He started doing a lot of peyote. He wandered through the desert, became a born-again Christian, and then eventually moved to Maine and reinvented himself as a country and western piano player. Wow. So yeah. when I learned that story, I was like, good Lord, that's a insane story. So that was one of the things that kind of inspired me to uh, explore some of these old, obscure comedians, because I thought... Wow, that's such a bizarre uh, tale that maybe there are more bizarre tales out there. Yeah, and th- and there are hundreds of them, and you put them together in this book, The Comedians, which uh, is so entertaining. The um, the album it's so it's so funny that the comedy album you just think about it being a part of of your world when right. you're uh, growing up. Everybody's got that first comedy album they listen to, and. Uh, but but in your book it gives you some some insight into how that started and it was such an such a uh, un, such uncharted territory for people but then it turned into just such a such an enormous cash cow for so many people yeah it was a big craze it was sort of like a podcast now are for uh, comedians and uh, comedy records the the genre is interesting i'm sure all record collectors know that uh, there's all these comedy records from the early 60s by Jonathan Winters and Mort Saul and, and uh, the Smothers Brothers, all these people. But um, Mort Saul always takes credit. He says, I was the first guy to have a comedy record. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Shelley Berman takes credit, says, I was the first guy to have a comedy record. But uh, as I uh, map out in my book, the guy who invented uh, uh, comedy records, and by comedy records I mean a recording of a stand-up comedian's act, mm-hmm. I don't mean like Spike Jones novelty uh, records, yeah. um, was uh, Red Fox. In 1956, Red Fox did the very first stand-up comedy record. It was so successful that his label, Duto, pressed 
13 Red Fox comedy albums between 1956 and 1958, 10 LPs and 4 EPs before any white comedian did the same. But because he was black, he didn't really get the credit because it was kind of an underground hit. It was sold to the black community. Dolphin uh, Records in South Central Los Angeles was a big uh, provider of that to the community. But Billboard and Cashbox and the white uh, record press didn't really chart it. They didn't really track it. But the big white labels tracked it, Verve, Capital, Warner Brothers. They saw how much money was being made from these Red Fox records, and that's why they got into it and started recording comedians. It was Red Fox and how much money uh, they were making over at Dudo that inspired it. Sure. Dudo Records was really a, an interesting label. The, the guy who ran it, Dootsie Williams, the African-American uh, uh, record label proprietor, was able to take a risk uh, recording a stand-up act and releasing it as an experiment because a couple years uh, earlier he made a fucking killing when he put out a very famous doo-wop song we all know called Earth Angel by the mm-hmm. Penguins. Yeah. So that gave him a cushion to go and sign up other people that may or may not have uh, hit with the public. And mm-hmm. Red Fox uh, was one of those. It was an experiment. And uh, the first record was such a huge hit that they started just cranking them out like crazy. Yeah, I'm going to have to ask you. You gotta you gotta watch those uh, those toilet oh, the bombs F-bomb. there. Yeah, the bombs. I'm sorry. That's all right. That's all right. I know we're both off WFMU now, but uh, yeah, I don't want you to get fired from your own show. Let's watch the F part of FMU. No, I'm kidding. It's all right. Don't don't oh, don't worry, thank Cliff. God. Jesus so, Christ. but let's not do. Please uh, don't say any more. This is family. <laughs> I the whole family's gathered on the radio, just oh, like yeah, Jack right. Benny. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. That's I know, all right. Yeah. Don't worry. Now, now, Cliff, what, with the with the comedy album, um, you, you so it started with Red Fox. Then you had people like like uh, Shelley Berman and, and Bob Newhart and Nichols and May. Kind of everybody jumped on the bandwagon a few years after that. Yeah, and it was such. A, it's it's amazing that suddenly careers could be made off of a comedy album without even having. The, the, the track record, like Bob Newhart was pretty much, that was his, his calling card was that first album. Yeah, it was bizarre. Uh, Bob Newhart had never performed in a nightclub before until the night they recorded his comedy record. He had been like a radio guy in Chicago in the late fifties with this guy, Dan Sorkin, and they were kind of like a Bob and Ray ripoff doing kind of comedy sketches and parodies on radio. And uh, Dan Sorkin had Newhart record, uh, uh, like, a, a reel to uh, give to the guys at Warner Brothers Records. And they said, oh, that's great. Uh, when's your next gig? We'll record you. And he said, I don't have any gigs. I've never been on stage before. So they booked him in this place in Houston called the Tidelands, which was sort of like, uh, uh, I guess, what New Haven was to Broadway uh, shows. The Tidelands was to new stand-up comics, and they would go and test their material there. And he did three shows in the same night. Uh, the first show they couldn't use because Bob Newhart's voice was trembling and quivering. <laughs> uh, the second show they couldn't use because he was heckled throughout the whole thing by a drunk lady who kept yelling, that's a load of crap, that's a load of crap. And then finally, the third uh, show was the one that they ended up releasing as the button-down mind of Bob Newhart. That is it be- unbelievable. And it became a huge seller. Yeah. Isn't that yeah, unbelievable yeah. that he, he would have been... If he didn't get that final show, uh, the, to the to the level that he got it to, we would not know who Bob Newhart was. No, no, and it was interesting. Shelley Berman, who had a comedy record 
out right before Bob Newhart called Inside Shelley Berman, another LP you see in every thrift store uh, these yes. days. He was furious at Bob Newhart, and it's weird their similarities. Bob Newhart did not steal or do Shelley Berman's material, but both kind of broke at the same time. Both were from Chicago. Both did stand up sitting on a stool. Both chain smoked cigarettes. Both did a routine about uh, uh, driving lessons. And both spoke into imaginary telephones. Yeah. It was bizarre, the similarities. And Shelley Berman uh, was very upset when Bob Newhart became a smash on the scene because he felt that uh, Newhart was really uh, uh, stealing his shtick. Yeah, yeah. But it, but you, it re- was it really close enough that it was some version of parallel thought in well, your estimation? I mean, I, well, the thing is, like, if you compare any stand-up comic, like, uh, if there's two guys who do impressions, they're both standing on the stage, they're both speaking into a microphone, they're both doing an impression of Arnold Schwarzenegger, and yet we don't really accuse one guy of ripping off the other guy's act unless he's doing the same jokes. Mm-hmm. So I guess they're, I, Bob Newhart never did any material that belonged to Shelley Berman. So in mm-hmm. that concept, he wasn't a joke thief. Sure. But, uh, but who's to say? It's really uh, uh, hard to tell. Maybe he was yeah. very much influenced, especially considering that he had never performed in a nightclub before, he probably was basing his act on Shelley Berman, kind of observing what a guy who does do nightclubs uh, did, you know. Sure, just seeing so- he saw something that worked, and that's how you do something that works. And he he um, he was following the lead of, of the person who came before him, maybe stylistically or... or... Yeah, it was, it was very common, uh, probably now too, but for comedians who are first starting out to just kind of emulate the person that they admire... And then eventually, when they get good, sort of slowly but surely shed uh, that influence. Uh, there's a story in my book, which might surprise people, about Woody Allen uh, stealing material early yeah. on. Because he was, you know, of course, a cerebral comic. He did well in the uh, East Village in New York. But when he would go to other venues in other cities, he didn't really go over that well. And this one comedian, this elderly man in his 90s, who refused to have his name uh, used in this anecdote, told me this story that uh, when Woody Allen was doing a mainstream room early on and wanted to be a success, he would rip off material from this guy, Will Jordan, who was like a 1950s impressionist who did Ed Sullivan. He also, or Ed Sullivan impressions, but he also did other uh, material. And Woody Allen would steal that guy's act and perform it if his more cerebral stuff wasn't going over. Now, I have no way to verify that Woody Allen material, and I found, found that quite surprising. But then I spoke to Marshall Brickman for my book, and Marshall Brickman ghost-wrote Woody Allen stand-up act in those days, and he also co-wrote Sleeper, Annie Hall, and Manhattan with Woody Allen, so he knows him pretty well. And I told him this anecdote that this old man had told me, and Marshall said, uh, yeah, I could believe that. Uh-huh. I could believe that Woody would do that. I can't verify it, but that that sounds totally plausible. Yeah, so, it, was, it, was, it was a different era where these guys just looked at you did what you had to do to just get either to get by or to get through the next show or to get famous. And jokes seemed like a more of a communal thing to a lot of these guys. Then it, it's amazing how comedy became so proprietary. And I think, I, I think that's a good thing because yeah. individuality entered into it to where it is where you couldn't just go up and start doing Robert Klein material or, right. Richard Pryor material because it's clearly that person is right. the it's, is the brain experience. behind it. Yeah, well, it was weird in the 1930s and 40s. Uh, comedians were mostly conformists. 
jokes and they conformed to whatever the style was. So things like mother-in-law jokes were so common that guys would go up on stage who weren't married and do jokes about their terrible mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. That was just the style in the 30s and 40s, but then in the early 50s, guys like Lenny Bruce, Mort Saul, Jonathan Winters came along, and they sort of coincided with other movements in the arts at the time, uh, in jazz, bop music was kind of revolutionary, and literature, uh, beat literature was experimental, and into the mix came these new comedians who no longer were reciting uh, joke books or using writers, but they were speaking from their own point of view. Mort Saul was speaking about his political opinion. Jonathan Winters was improvising randomly from inside his own head. And Lenny Bruce was, was really um, blazing a new style of comedy. People talk about how he, he you know, spoke with uh, salacious language or talked about religion, but really the reason Lenny Bruce was revolutionary was the style of performance. His early reviews criticized him for rambling because he didn't go up on stage and just tell joke, 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 mm-hmm. like the guys who'd come before. Instead, he was going up on stage and doing what comedians do now, like sort of talking to the audience a little bit, thinking on stage, devising material on stage, talking about what happened in his day and trying to find uh, the funny stuff through the performance within the moment. And that was revolutionary for its time in the early 50s. Before that, it was just guys like Maury Amsterdam and Alan King, and the routines were very set and kind of rang false. You never really knew anything about Maury Amsterdam's real life or Alan King's real life. Not that you wanted to, but, yeah. you know, they were very uh, uh, very much by rote, mm-hmm. and they were doing material that anybody, if they memorized it, could go up and do and maybe even get laughs, even if they weren't funny. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, it's an amazing transformation. I, look, I... Uh... I know I, I want to before before I uh, let you go, Cliff Nesteroff. And yeah. again, your book, The Comedians, is I, I find it I, I enjoyed it so much. It's absolutely uh, it's a, it, people cannot go wrong reading. If you have any interest in comedy and the history of comedy, you will. This book is a, a full on revelation. Every every chapter is so great. Um, can you just? Tell me and the audience the story of the Jerry Lewis talk show, which sure. which yeah. you discuss in the book, which I find to, it's to me is one of it's it, it's one of the all time because people talk about oh the Chevy Chase show or right. oh Magic Johnson the Magic Hour and failed <laughs> talk shows, but this was this was the no show will fail. To the right. degree that this, that Jer- the Jerry Lewis talk show failed. Yeah. Well, it was the most expensive talk show failure of all time and adjusted for inflation even more so. It, it was an incredible, uh, waste of money. Um, in 1962, before Johnny Carson took over the Tonight Show, Jack Parr had left. He was the second host, uh, of the Tonight Show after Steve Allen. Uh, Johnny Carson was signed to ABC. He was hosting a game show. And NBC had signed him to take over The Tonight Show, but ABC wouldn't release him from his contract until the fall, and Jack Parr left in the spring. So in the middle, there were all these guest hosts who filled in, and it was like a who's who of popular culture. And a lot of people that should never be hosting a talk show hosted for a week, guys like Art Linkletter, Donald O'Connor, um, and then people that maybe should be hosting a talk show, like uh, Merv Griffin, Groucho Marx, all these people filled in for a week. And Jerry Lewis was one of them. And 
he was a huge success as the guest host. He got ratings that Steve Allen and Jack Parr never got. He got the highest ratings in Tonight Show history. Now, NBC already had Johnny Carson tied up, but now they considered, well, maybe we made a mistake. Maybe we should buy out that contract with Carson and take Jerry Lewis instead. But also CBS and ABC were courting Jerry Lewis because they thought, well, he's proving himself as the guest host of The Tonight Show that he can do his own talk show. And he's, so and he's he a was, free agent at this point. Yeah, he was doing movies, but he wasn't doing television. So ABC signed him up in what was an astronomical deal and an unprecedented uh, contract. They gave him full creative control in all departments. But when they held the press conference with the president of ABC, um, they announced that the talk show was going to be two hours long, Saturday <laughs> night, live from uh, 1735 Vine Street, a theater that's still there in Hollywood. They renamed it the Jerry Lewis Theater. They engraved that famous caricature of Jerry Lewis on everything, every doorknob, on the sidewalk out front, on the stairwell, in the bathroom, brass fittings everywhere. They built a balcony outside with a fireplace that had speakers installed <laughs> so you can hear the show from outside. As if the, the crowds would have balcony. been, as if it would have been in Jerry's mind, this show's going to be so popular, people will be outside beating on the doors and we'll pump the audio, we'll pump the audio to the, to the, to the talk show so they can get something outside I mean, as they're on and, the street outside the theater. And just so preposterous because even the Ed Sullivan Theater was only renamed that long after Ed Sullivan was dead. Jerry Lewis decides to name the theater the Jerry Lewis Theater, you know. Um, he had, he built this weird desk. It cost $40,000 where he could control and do all the directing from his desk if he wanted to change a camera like, shot. He could override, he could override yeah. the, the booth. He because... could override everything. He built this <laughs> giant screen. He built a giant screen in the balcony so that uh, the sight lines were improved. They, they put all this techno, technological mumbo jumbo in the theater. And it was a very, very, very expensive thing. And during the press conference, they said, Jerry, what are you going to, what are you going to do for two hours? And he said, well, if, uh, if my guests are loose, I'll be loose. And if my guests are going to argue, I'll argue. Like, it was all really vague. And ABC started to get worried because they were spending millions of dollars. But they signed him to this preposterous 10-year contract. And this is millions of early 60s dollars. Yes, exactly, exactly. And it was the first time that ABC, which was still considered the third network, uh, sunk a ton of money into something. So the show premieres uh, the following year in 63, Saturday night. And it's a failure from from the word go. He comes out, he sings uh, the song, uh, When You're Smiling. He's got his hair uh, glistening with brill cream, one of the sponsors. Uh -huh. And as he's singing, there's this deafening, shrieking feedback that's interrupting everything. And then he goes up there, he tells his first joke, it lands a thud, nobody laughs. And then he taps on the boom mic and says, is this thing on? And nobody laughs at that either. Um, and then they had a bunch of uh, guest cameos, but like they were supposed to come out from the backroom set. The doors wouldn't open. Uh, the red light on each camera that indicates which way the performer is supposed to look, those didn't work. The headsets from the cameraman to the control room stopped working. The screen they installed upstairs for the sight lines didn't work. And so the people in the balcony couldn't see the show. Half of them walked out during the show and then the next morning there were all these vicious reviews in variety 
TV guide saying that ABC apparently thinks America is interested in listening to a, a egocentric boor ramble for two hours. And it just got worse and worse and worse. At one point, the ABC executives made an anti-Semitic remark and blamed it on Jerry Lewis's quote-unquote Jewishness and told him <laughs> to tone it down. Um, but it was just an insane debacle. Now, he was signed to this enormous contract that was supposed to last several years. The show ended up getting canceled after the uh, 10th episode, and I think a total of 13 aired. By December, it was over. It was done. And it was the most expensive embarrassment. They canceled the show, and they had to buy out his contract. So they paid Jerry Lewis uh, the same amount they would have paid him if he had been on the air for all those years, which never happened. And now they had a vacant theater called the Jerry Lewis Theater with his uh, caricature on everything. And they hired a bunch of construction workers to come in and just scrape off (laughs) all these Jerry Lewis caricatures. And in a pinch, they replaced it with a variety show called The Hollywood Palace, which was sort of like an Ed Sullivan knockoff, which was kind of a brilliant move because they didn't really need a budget for that. They just got stand-up comedians to do a five-minute set and, like, a band to come on and do a song. They, everything was already there, just a band that already had a song and a comic that already had a had an act. And that show ended up lasting five years in the same time <laughs> slot. But, yeah, The Jerry Lewis Show, the most expensive talk show failure in television history. Well... That is one of the hundreds of stories in your book, The Comedians, Cliff Nestoroff. And it is such an entertaining and informative book. And anybody interested in comedy should pick this up. Yes, and, and the book the book is full of F bombs. If you enjoyed oh, the F for tonight if, if, on the if, best show. If this you book, love yeah, if you love the taste Cliff gave Cliff gave you a little taste of what's waiting for you in this book. <laughs> so if you get your jollies from reading that word, you have your night cut out for you. Yes, uh, sir. Good se- luck, my friends. Seriously, congratulations. This book is so so great. Uh, I can't speak highly enough about it. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Okay, I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Take okay, care. Okay, man. All right, bye. All right. I'm going to play a song, and then we're going to bring... Mary Houlihan in. Here's something by Primitive Parts. Yeah. Primitive Parts. You like that, Mike? It's rocking. Usually can't handle the rock. Mike's usually out there uh, listening to his John Prine albums. You want a John Prine record? Come on in here for a second. You want this? Do you have this one? The other here. Give it to the other fellas. I listened to it. It's a good album. Right? Nice album. Yeah. You don't say it out loud. All right, Mike. Oh, this guy. Don't shut it. Oh. Thank you. 
I tell you, this guy. But primitive... One eye. He's staring at me through the thing. Hey, I've, I'm not the first one who's seen that look through a door cr a crack. Right? I'm not the first one. Mike said, one eye. One eye. Primitive Parts. It's on Trouble in Mind. The album is called Parts Primitive. And they are from London. And the name of the album, I said Parts Primitive, the name of the song is Miracle Skin. Trouble in Mind is such a good record label, and they put that out. And congratulations, Trouble in Mind, on batting a thousand. Can't go wrong with Trouble in Mind. And what else did I need to tell you, uh, you guys? Uh, once again, Sharpling and Worcester live. We're playing in Toronto and Boston and... Philadelphia, and those dates are up at stereolaughs.com slash tour, L-A-F-F-S, stereolaughs.com slash tour. And we have also announced that this February, the end of February, we will be playing in Durham, North Carolina. Look out, Jack. Here we come. The laughs are finally returning. To the Triangle in North Carolina. Saturday, February 27th at the Motorco Music Hall in Durham, North Carolina. Tickets go on sale this Friday, November 13th. Do not miss it. The Triangle. All the great comedians who've come out of that area. Dean Smith. Coach K. Sharpling and Worcester. The laughs will continue. And now, I'm going to bring my guest onto the air. Mike, how you doing out there? Oh, this guy. Can't trust it. Can't trust it, just like Public Enemy said. Can't trust it. <clears throat> Mary Houlihan. Yeah. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm so good. <laughs> You're good? You excited? I'm really excited to be here. You are? Yeah. Get up on that mic a little oh, bit more. Okay. There good? you go. Better. Oh. Okay. Hello. How are you? I'm super jazzed. Now you, Mary Houlihan, you wear many hats. Mm, yes. You are an you are a comedian. Not comedian. There's no such mm -mm -mm. that's a that's a that's it's like uh, a waitress. Exactly. No, you're a comedian. Yes. You are an artist yeah you are a, but you're an artist you are you draw and paint mm -hmm. and animate yes what else can can't what can't you do mary Houlihan. i'm dot pretty com. i'm pretty bad at playing music you're bad at playing music yeah i'm very self-conscious about it so okay. i uh, get other talents to make up for it okay so you that's why you paint and draw and animate and make people laugh yeah. And do you act? You act? Yes. I act, yes. I'm a fabulous actor. Okay. Now, what do you have there? You brought, last week you had called the show. Yeah. And I had mentioned commissioning two works of art from you. Because people can check your stuff out at, on Instagram, it's Mary Hooley. Right? Yeah. 
And is that you on Twitter also, Mary Hooley? Mm-hmm. And what's your you have what's your website? Is it a Tumblr? It's a Tumblr. It's okay. com. Now I'd asked you about two works of art. One being AP Mike with the what's his face uh, Johnny Depp from Black uh, Mass. And then, like, a day and a half later, all of a sudden, <laughs> it shows up online. And the other one was going to be Dudio, mm-hmm. the dude who built the studio, who only last week we found out about his, 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 the, 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 he's like the, he's like the whitey bulger of cats. He's like, right? Kitty bulger. <laughs> And so you did him outside the Holland Tunnel flipping cats. Now you have them here. Can I see them? I have not looked at them because I did <laughs> not, not want to see. Not online. No, I, I looked I at them. Look, I looked at Come them on. quick. No, I didn't want to. I saw you had them physically here. I did not want to see the physical. All right, get okay, ready. I got my ass closed for one. Hand me one, please. Oh wait. One. Okay. Mm, okay. All right. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it's studio. Look at him holding all those cats. This is what it's like, I think. And you've got the Christmas. You did the Holland Tunnel the way that you do it, the way they do it at Christmas, where they put the wreath. I never understood why they do the re- the the U into an O. They're dumb. And the well, <laughs> the triangle yeah. tree mm-hmm. that should clearly go over the A. Yeah, Holland Tunnel, but they A-A-A. put the they put the uh, Christmas tree over the N. Like they're splitting it in half. Like it's the NBC logo or something. That is beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and then the other one, bing, bing, the bing, classic. Bing. Okay. There it is. Mike, did you see this? It's such a great picture of you and Johnny Depp as Whitey Bulger <laughs> and a giant Coors, can, Coors Light can. Oh my goodness, this is so amazing. And these are up on your, uh, you put these on, on, uh, your Instagram? Yeah, they're on my Insta. Okay, so people can check them at your Insta? Yeah. You're too busy to say Instagram? You have somewhere yeah. to be? <laughs> Couldn't get that final syllable out? Too busy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> too, you can't. I don't have time for that. Yeah, for the word gram. Mary Houlihan. Tom. Thanks for coming. Okay, what if I just bounced you? Thanks for the art. <laughs> Get out. Right? No. You're here. Can you can you hang out? You don't have anywhere to be, right? You got mm. nowhere to be. No way. You do a couple shows, right? You do you do a cartoon monsoon. Oh yeah, I got shows of plenty. There's cartoon monsoon at the Annoyance Theater. Uh huh. And that's you and uh, your buddy. And my best buddy in the whole world, mm-hmm. Joe Rumrill. Okay. And also our other buddy, Puppet. Uh-huh. He's a puppet, and his name is Puppet. Okay. And he is puppeteered by a boy named Tim Platt. Okay. And then we also have uh, an accompanist, and his name is Steve DeSiena. And they're all fabulous comedians in their mm-hmm. own right. Yeah. And you have them on the show, which is a monthly show. Mm-hmm. At the Annoyance Theater. And the other show you do is Cube. Cube. Okay. Yeah. And what is Cube? Uh, it's, it's like a showcase show. I host it and uh, keep the vibe up, keep spirits high, and, you know, just have comedians that I like do sets. Okay. All right. 
That's nice. Okay. Got to boost that mic for you. Mm. Can you raise the actual mic up? Like that, if you grab the stand there. Yes. Here, I'll do it. Oh. There. Hello. How's that? Great. Great. These guys out there. Uh, these jokers. I know. You think it's, uh, I think they're making a, a frickin', uh, Steely Dan album out there the way they're worried about <laughs> fidelity. Mm, have you seen, <laughs> have you seen this video? It's on YouTube. It's a, I think it's a rip from like one of those VH1 classic albums. And it's a Steely Dan and they're manning the board and isolating the tracks. Uh huh. And uh, <laughs> they're just talking about uh, like abusing Michael McDonald pretty much. Okay. And I think it's just the best thing ever. Just what are they putting him through the paces the way they would make somebody record 80 So it's takes. like them playing every single take of him doing like peg. <laughs> For the song Peg. So they got Michael McDonald going, right? Yeah. In like every single like octave they made him do. And also like some have vibrato and some don't. Mm-hmm. So some of them are, you know, like, Peg! you know, and, uh, and then it like cuts back. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's them in the studio being like, oh yeah, that sounds good. And then it cuts to Michael McDonald just saying, like, oh, I was there for 12 hours. <laughs> for to just say the word peg. Yeah, over and over. Those two guys, look, I know people love Steely Dan. Love them. Do you love them? I can't get enough. Really? It's true. I saw them this summer. Oh, oh. You know when you wouldn't like Steely Dan? Hmm. Is if you saw them at night on the street and you didn't know they were the guys from Steely Dan. Those are two creepy looking dudes. No way. They right? have very distinct looks. Yeah, no. I'd know them and I'd be like, I saw you on okay. YouTube. Well, I love you. Well, let's just assume this then. How about this? Okay. Steely Dan. What's the one guy? Walter Becker. <laughs> and then what, what's it? Donald, Donald Fagan, Fagan. Which sounds like a Dickensian name. Yes. So Donald Fagan and Walter Becker never get together. Donald Fagan runs an auto parts store, right? <laughs> Walter Becker is a mailman. Mm-hmm. You're leaving the Annoyance Theater, and they're out front, a mailman and an auto parts store guy. Yeah. You would be like, uh, yeah, I just don't want to go anywhere near these two creeps. No way. Oh, no. I, I'm going to... I'd want to pick I wouldn't their want brains. To. I wouldn't want to. No, but it's an <laughs> auto part guy. and a... <sighs> No, you'd be like... Get me away. I would. I'd be like, I'd be like, is there a back entry? I'd go back in. I'd be like, oh, I forgot my, my pen. I just got to go back in. And then I would go back in and be like, yeah, can I? Uh, can someone walk me out? <laughs> I would ask, I would ask for someone to walk me out. I'd be like, is there like a tunnel out of here? Like a secret <laughs> place out of the annoyance theater? Can I go on the roof and I'll take my chances jumping from mm-hmm. rooftop to rooftop? Parkour style, right? Mm-hmm. Did you know there's a jazz club right above the Annoyance called Theater? Parkour? Yeah, it's called Parkour. A jazz parkour theater? Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty awesome. So Guess. some nights there's just like blaring jazz and uh-huh. you have to like talk over it while you're doing your show. Because the jazz is coming through it's the wall? extremely loud, yes. 
And so you're just trying to do a show, and it's like, right? Yeah, big time. Yeah. Now, Mary Houlihan, you are from, where'd you grow up? I grew up in New Jersey. Where in New Jersey about, if you don't mind saying, or, or, or in the most vague sense? Um, I grew up where the real estate and Titus Andronicus boys grew up. Oh. Fans of the internet <laughs> can piece that one together. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, if only people like the internet, I don't know. If only, yes. If only, if only people were fans of the internet. It's so hard to get into. It is hard to get into it. Did you grow up around the same time as them? Were they in town when you were in town? Mm. Did you pre you were you were you were after them? I lived a town over. I bet I'm probably like three years younger than them or okay. something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did you know about them? No, because I think they formed like when they came home from college, okay. right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in high school. There were, like, no cool bands at all. Like, if you went to a local show, it would be, like, emo bands. Mm-hmm. And it would not be fun. Mm-hmm. Emo is what now? It's like Emo Phillips? No! I guess it's a kind of like Fallout Boy, but not mm-hmm. as catchy. It's like a lot of screaming. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not music and then somebody doing, like, I thought that I could go to the... Why do they have a convenience store open? <laughs> it's not that. It's not Emo Phillips. No. I don't even know Emo Phillips jokes to make fun of. Hey, Mike? Yeah. Who's good here? Two. Two. Okay. What now? Best show, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Who's this? This is Molly from Washington, D.C. Molly, you're here with me, Tom, and Mary Houlihan. Hello. Hello, Tom and Mary. How are are you tonight, Molly? Good, thank you. What's going on? Not much. It's my first time calling in the show. (gasps) You're doing great so far. Thank you. I'm trying. (laughs) You're killing it. Thank you. All right. It's actually my first time calling in the show. You're the best caller in the history of the show. Wow, Mary, thank in you. Fact, I haven't done much we are yet, going though. to give the show to you. No, we're, we're not, actually. <laughs> the best show <laughs> with Molly from D.C. From D.C.? So, Molly, do I know yeah. you, Molly? No, we don't know no, each other. Okay. So, Molly, what, 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 what's going on tonight? Yeah, so actually, I'm calling in because... Um, I meant to call in, like, a while ago about something that I very recently found out. Um, so, this is this song uh, that is the number one most sung karaoke in, most sung song in karaoke in South Korea. The most the number sung one. song in South Korea. The most sung song in South Korea. In karaoke. What song is it? It is called She's Gone by Steelheart. She's Gone by Steelheart. Can you sing now, a few bars? The issue, the issue is that I know this song because everyone knows the song in Korea because it's the number one most sung song in karaoke, and karaoke is very popular in Korea. However, no one that I've ever spoken to who is American and lives in America seems to know the song. 
I don't know it. I thought you were, well, you said She's Gone, and I was like, oh, yes, that terrific song by Hall & Oates. And then you said by Steel, no, what did you say? Steelheart. So I did some search on this, and from Mm. what I know, it it came out in 91. Uh Um, It made maybe like top 144 in the Billboard charts. Super unpopular, never became popular. However, every single South Korean between the ages of 20 and 55 know the song. Can you sing some of it? Do you know it now? I do, but the whole point of why it's so popular in karaoke is because it is such a difficult song to sing. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so fun to have all your drunken friends Ah. singing this at the same time. It's like One Week by Bare Naked Ladies, right? (laughs) Similar. Or Chop Suey by System of a Down. Yes, exactly. Wake up! Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. I don't want to trust. I tried doing that, and then I did the thing. It's like partway through. It's just like, just cancel it. Just said to the, whoever had the remote, I was like, just just dump it. I'm not, gonna, killing. I'm not making it through this one. So so it's popular because it's tricky. Yeah, um I think that is probably the only reason why, but... You have to give just, us a little bit. Give us a little bit, Molly. Just a taste. Okay. It just starts by going, um... That was, you are from New Jersey. out of my life. I something... Don't remember. The main part goes, She's gone out of my life. <laughs> And it just continues on higher and higher and higher in octaves that I cannot. By who? Steel Pulse? Who did that? Steel Heart. S E E L H E A R T. Steel Heart. Okay. All right. If I'm. You YouTube it. The first thing that comes up is a live version because they don't have a music video for the song. Okay. I'm going to check. Um, I'm going to go to karaoke. Yes. First of all, somebody wants to know if you're auto tune. If you're doing singing through an auto tuner, Molly. <laughs> No, no, you're not. Okay. And secondly, I just want to say some goon on Twitter is now just saying, oh, Tom Sharpling ripping off an Ian McCoy joke with that Emo Phillips thing. That Emo Phillips thing is the, the dumbest thing I ever said in my life. If Ian McCoy is going to take pride in that joke, God bless him. But I, I'm mortified when it came out of my mouth. I'm not stealing anything. Yeah, you, you figured the master plan out, Andrew, that I was going to start ripping jokes off from Ian McKay and on the radio. Yes, yeah, screw off, Andrew. Yeah, thank you, Molly. Molly and, <gasps> and Mary. Wow. Sorry, I got confused because I got Molly on the phone. I got Mary sitting across from me. No, that's confusing. Yeah, thanks, Sorry. Tim. That's a well. Look, that's well. Fair, you really are that. into the song. It's a fantastic song. It's like a power ballad. I'm gonna check it out, Molly. You really ought to. It's great. I'm going to. Thanks for calling. Um, you're more than welcome. Hi. <laughs> Best show. You're on the air. Hi. Hi. You're here with me and Mary Houlihan. Hello. How are How are you? We're the? so good. Good. Um, What's your name so, now? I'm Kelsey. I'm oh. calling from Philadelphia. Okay. Kelsey? Yes. What's up in Philly? You're going to go see Sharpling and Worcester live. December I 13th. am going, actually. Ooh. Wow. 
That'll be fun. Get ready. I'm so excited. It's going to be bonkers. Um, so, yeah, I actually, um, that's at one of my favorite venues in Philly, actually. Um, I do work for a music uh, venue, and we're kind of like, um, I would say the music venues are like cousins. Mm-hmm. Well, you better get ready sense. to get crushed that night. Oh, right? I'm ready. Your venue. Are you ready? I mean, we're ready to ready? crush every other venue in Philly that night, sure. December 13th. <laughs> You'll all, you might as well all uh, just shut the doors like uh, in tribute. Yeah, yeah, we probably should. So what's going on tonight, Kelsey? What 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 brought you to the best show? Um, well, actually, my friend is a huge fan, so he told me to call in today. Okay. Hey, Kelsey. Yes. Are you going to go to the Gregulators open mic? Um, I don't yes. even know what that is. He's been posting on Facebook. He wants to have a daytime open mic before the Philly show, and I think it sounds like a cool idea. So for let me just get this straight. This is a, truly the first I'm hearing of this. Really? The, no. Yes, I'm not on Facebook. <gasps> I quit Facebook. Wow. Really? I did. Wow. It was the best thing, I, best thing I could have done. How are you going to promote your bar shows? How am I gonna How am I gonna moan about the same social <laughs> issues that a hundred percent of my friends are already in agreement with, mm. right? Yeah. Or promote shows, and then people have to look and realize it takes them five minutes to figure out it's happening on the other side of the country. Mm. When's Facebook gonna work past that? You see a thing? Oh, oh, here's a thing going on, and then you look close. Oh, it's in Minneapolis. I get a lot of <laughs> I'll see an event, and then I'll be like yes, and then I'll uh, later see that it. Happened yesterday after mm-hmm. commenting, I can't wait. Tonight's going to be the night. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, oh, yeah. oh wait, I don't, live, so I don't live in Santa Cruz, California. Yeah, I don't live in Anchorage. Anchorage. Screw off. Well, screw off. Is that your catchphrase? <laughs> well, it's tough. You can't say any curse words. I know. <laughs> so that's what well, I, I did can not. think of. What? I did that political event was like a year ago, and I was like, oh, this oh. looks so cool. And they were like, that was last year, Kelsey. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, Kelsey, I look forward to seeing you in Philly. I'm excited. And you have a grand evening. You too. Bye. Mary Houlihan. Yes. You. <gasps> Do you, 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 uh, you just, I'm just looking at this picture of AP Mike. Because you, know, you know why it is? Because sometimes people do pictures of people and they do like, they, they they don't look like they're like, they'd cry if they saw it. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they'd cry. I knew when I saw this, I was like, Mike's going to love this. Right, Mike? It's nice. Because you should see some of the art that people do of us. There's ones where I look like a, I'm crawling out from under a bridge, like a pay the toll to the troll. <gasps> And then there's no. one where a, where Mike has like this. Hey, Mike, what did that? Remember that one picture somebody did of you? Remember somebody did? What was the super? The one that you drove you up the wall. Art wise, it was like an Isle of Doctor Moreau vibe coming off it, like, like you were like some sort of experiment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I look. But you do this, and it's so nice. It's so flattering. You're so good at what you do. Best show. You're on the air. Hey Tom. 
Hi, who's this? This is BB from Vegas. Oh, BB from Vegas, classic caller. Classic. Oh, thank you, BB. You're here with Mary Houlihan as Hi, well BB. as myself. You know, how you doing, honey? Really good. Another good how Irish are you? girl. Oh, I'm great. Oh, good. What'd you do today? Um, uh, physical therapy. Ugh, what Indeed. for? Um, wheelchair fitting. Oh, wow. Actually. Do you like your physical ah. therapist? Do they make it fun? Oh, she's a doll. Nice. Her name is Pia. Ooh. Now, is that, yeah, uh, you're in Vegas, BB. I am. For people who don't know Las Vegas, everybody thinks of it as just that strip where you can go, uh, uh, yeah, you can go see, uh, the Cirque du Soleil. And all those things. Where is the real city of Vegas, of Las Vegas? Uh, downtown, which is actually north of here, uh, Fremont Street, Old Vegas, uh, which is a riot. It's very, very kitschy. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It's got, in that direction, they've got something called the Container Park, and it's just a mall made out of old shipping containers. Mm-hmm. And they have concerts okay. there and films and stuff. And is that where you, is that around where you are? I'm um, I'm actually closer to the area you described. I'm actually uh, south of Sahara, so it's Clark County, but it's actually um, right uh, behind what used to be the Sahara Hotel. Is that near Sam's Town? I can see Sam's Town from here. You can I'm up pretty high because you know yeah, who, you know color. You know who named their album Samstown, right? The Heroes do, of Las Vegas. Uh, Brandon Flowers? The Killers. <laughs> the Killers. St. Brandon of Flowers. Does he roll through the streets there? You know, I haven't like, never seen the gentleman. Like a legend. To be quite frank with you. Were you there when you two did that? I still can't find what I'm looking for video. No, that was long before I moved here. Where did but you? They, that is Fremont Street. Well, that's what? Where they did that? Yes. What brought you to Las Vegas, BB? Uh. Who goes uh, to retirement? Las Vegas? Sorry. We retired. You. So you uh, were you were retired when you moved to Las Vegas. Yeah. Yes. And how long ago was that? Not that I'm prying. Oh, that would be two thousand. Nine, okay. 2008, sorry, I always get that wrong. And do you love it yeah, there? 2008. I love it there. You do? <laughs> yes. Is that weird sign graveyard near you? Oh, uh, actually it is. It is near that container park and all that other kitschy, wonderful stuff. Okay. That, you know, they, if it if it comes down, they don't necessarily throw it out. Mm-hmm. And say, that's what I like about it here. Now, say me and AP Mike roll into town. Fear and loathing style, right? All right. We head to Circus Circus, right? Mm, well, you know, that's real close to where I live. Right. Splash a little blotter right. acid on our faces. We would splash a little blotter acid. In the glass. We'd have a little, we'd have a tincture, right? Indeed. Smear it on our lips, right? Mm-hmm. Go through the... <laughs> I can hear Mike laughing out there. We go through the casino, Right. Right. Wouldn't we be such a sight? 
Who would be who? Would I be would I be Hunter Thompson and would Mike be uh the lawyer? Mike's definitely the lawyer. Mike's yeah, the right? mouthpiece. I know. Mike would be like, as your attorney, <laughs> I advise you. I advise you again. Do your impression of Mike, Phoebe. I want to hear this. You were so close to doing it. Is your attorney. <laughs> I advise you against taking the peyote. Oh, this is the best thing I ever heard. You're doing your impression of AP Mike as as, uh, as, as uh, Acosta. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah that I was did a- have something... Did you ever read his book? Did you ever read his Ooh. book? The lawyer Acosta's book. It was no, called. I think it was called Diary of a Brown Buffalo. Mm-hmm. It, it's good. It was good. I haven't read it in a long time, but it's good stuff. I read more than three pages of it. Unlike Catch Twenty Two, what's stopping me with that, BB? Why can't I get past the first three pages, which are great? Uh, great three pages, by the way. Mm-hmm. Have you ever read that book? I have not. Unfortunately, I've never attempted it. So I'm three pages well, ahead of you. I had a copy of it. Well, BB, what you got to understand uh, about Catch-22, when you're three pages deep, uh, you'll get there. You'll get there someday. <laughs> right? Mary, have you ever read Catch-22? I will. Catch-22? Uh, maybe like seven pages in. So you're seven. Oh, seven pages in. It didn't grip me. I got to read four pages real fast. I could get ahead of you. Hey, BB. Yes, ma'am. Have you ever met the Pawn Stars? And if so, good question. What's Chumley like? I have not met them. All right. I haven't. The shop's really not that far from the house here. You're so uh, lucky. The silver and gold. I don't Yes, yeah. It's just right up the right up the um, right up Las Vegas Boulevard. Do you ever watch that show, baby? Actually, not that one. We watched. Um, Pornography, the um, game show on the History Channel with that, Chris Titus. That's their that's game show, right? Right. Is the old yeah. man on it? No. No, he's not. Mm-hmm. No, they they uh, whipped out an old man coin one time, but that's... Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I want to say. He's just so crabby. Ben Stein's junk. You idiots don't know what you're doing. you got to sell this thing for more money. And then you find out that guy's like 55, and you're like, oh, boy, those are some rough miles. Because you're like, what is this guy, 90? And then you find out he's not that old to be like, you know, right, Mike? That guy is not that old. I have to find out how old he is yeah, now. how old is the old man? Born old. let us know? Let's see. Like Burt Mustin, you're just born old. Richard Benjamin Harrison is his name. He has a name? He does. He's not just the old man. <laughs> I know, right? He's currently he's currently oh. seventy four, which means when we started watching him on the show, he was like un- he was, well, <laughs> we haven't been watching it for thirty years. He was under seventy to be yeah. like walking like oh yeah, you guys gotta sell Rick, you idiot, you're not selling the thing for enough money. Let's all three of us do the old man impression at the same time. One, two, three. Oh, here, we're gonna, you're not selling the thing for enough money. Chumley, you idiot. 
I told you to sell that Babe Ruth autograph baseball for... Chumley handled this arcade game. Okay. All right. I'm even... It was my idea. I'm pulling the plug on it. BB, you were one of my favorite callers. What's going on? What do you What do you got to say? Uh, yeah, well, uh, uh, I've been selling stuff on eBay. Those okay. people are animals. They are animals, uh, right? It's broken. Yes. It's not what I thought it was going to be. I want, I'm going to give you a bad rating. Right? Now you're, uh, you're, you're held hostage by I these have, animals. You have a, you had a topic. It was loose. Um, why do I bother? This is more like why did they bother? Yeah. Uh, if you want to. Uh, hear about the demise of the Muppet Show, as far as its um, yeah. ratings. Yeah, that Muppet Show. Dive. Everybody, I heard all the. I'm going to say it now. Look, I tease these Muppet fans. Are you a fan of the Muppets, Mary? I love the Muppets, okay. but you're not a fan of this new Muppet Show. I haven't seen it. Yeah, of course you haven't. Oh, that's very piece of trash. Spoil my opinion of them. Mm. all these Muppet fans, and I'm not going to name names. They were telling me here. They were telling me. Muppets are back. We're gonna we're gonna just take over again. You better, Tom. You're gonna just eat a pile of blank. They said because here come the Muppets, and they did this Muppet show. Then they 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 they, they said real fast like. Then they put it out. Nobody cared. After the first week, people sampled it, and it was like it was like eating a a, 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 a spoiled uh, shrimp. You don't go back for more. It's like right? eating a spoiled The shrimp had the only the funny line. Wait. Yeah, he's had the only funny line. The little shrimp? Yeah, the little shrimp yeah. in the bellhop costume. It's like eating that, but spoiled. So then they get that like, the thing. You don't go back up. Hmm, I'm going to get more of that shrimp. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so now they're like retooling the show. They're like they, They're rebooting it. Because they know right. they, they the went. Showrunners the, out. Yeah, they went the wrong way. They made it filthy. I was sad mm-hmm. that they made them break up. Yeah, why would you have Miss Piggy and Kermit break up? Why? It's why would mean. you do that? It's like they take. What's Is it a, will they get back together again thing? Oh no, they're going to erase that now. And... That never happened when these guys reboot the Muppets. <sighs> they're going to marry them now. I don't. They already got married in the Muppets Take Manhattan, and Kermit thought it was part of a musical. But Piggy had hired a real pastor, so unbeknownst to him, they got for real married. That's why we need you, Mary. Yeah, there you go. You're keeping the uh, the the yeah, you said you know Muppetology, the right? <laughs> yeah, right. Baby, all this breaking up stuff is non-canonical. No, exactly. It's ridiculous. <laughs> non-canonical. Baby, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to please call back as much as you would like because you're so awesome. Thank you. Why? Thank you. Have a great Bye. night. Bye. I'm gonna break the no dude vember <gasps> because we have a correspondent now. Whoa. This guy in New York for the people of New York, there's a thing going on now. Shia LaBeouf is holding a film festival where he's sitting in a theater watching all his movies, and this dude is at it. What's your name? Uh, this is Ethan. Ethan, you're at this thing now, this theater. Yes, correct, at the Angelica. At the Angelica. Shia LaBeouf. And the Angelica's which one? The one where the subway is a part of the movie? 
right? Yeah, you go in the ba- yeah, you go in the basement and you can hear the trains underneath yeah. every theater. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great movie going experience. Yeah, let's build a movie theater underground next to the subway. But don't worry, we'll show really pretentious movies here with just film snobs will be here. It's almost like it's a perverse thing to make film snobs try to justify how that's better somehow. Oh, it's because it's a real taste in New York. Yeah, really, when you couldn't hear it for five minutes at a time. I'm, try, I'm trying to watch, uh, uh, I'm trying to watch, uh, what am I trying to watch there? It's rumbling past me, right? Name an art movie. Uh, there's uh, Gaspar Noe's Love 3D. Yeah, yeah trust me, nobody's, right watch, nobody's worried about the sound on that one. The <laughs> trench coat movie. A lot of trench coats True. going to the... Mike, would you see that? Gaspar Noe's Love, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a 3D uh, uh, skin flick. No, even Mike won't see it. Mary, would you see Gaspar Noe's Love, a 3D skin flick? I'm offended you would ask. Well, I'm, thank you. <laughs> hey, Ethan, have you seen any of the movies yet? Or are you still just like waiting around for Shia LaBeouf? No. Yeah, I'm still in line. I've been here since eight. I would have uh, I would have left after about twenty minutes if I hadn't committed to this fit. Yeah. Well, it seems so you worth stayed it. you stayed there for three hours so you could do this. Yeah. Why? And also for my own sake, just to, if, if I commit to a fit, then I should I should keep at it. You know? Well, that's that's fair. But so you are just sliding from one piece of performance art to the next. Right. Right. Well, I, yeah, I did go to art school, so. So what, people are going into this movie theater and they're watching him watch Transformers? Uh, well, Transformers 3 is the next one coming up at, I think, 1 a.m. And he's sitting there just watching them around the clock? Yeah, theoretically. I haven't seen it yet. I'm just sitting here with the um, 20-something-year-olds in line. Uh, is, there, or, uh, is there, like, a schedule of the movies they're going to play? Yeah, it's online. They're playing them in reverse chronological order. Oh, from, that sucks. Uh, so this guy, this guy, um, nobody sees this as like a like uh, like a, an extended cry for help that he's doing, <laughs> right? I think uh, everyone does. That's yeah. why they're there to keep an eye on him. All he's that's a fair point. It's a packed theater. Everybody knows he's safe for at least the duration of of uh, Battle of Shaker Heights. And holes. <laughs> and holes, yes. I forgot about holes. He he, st- he just won't admit that he's... All, if this dude would just admit he stole the Dan Klaus thing, all this would be over. He's doing this... He's doing 80 different performance art things, so he doesn't have to apologize for... He's, he's justifying his entire life as performance art rather than just say, yeah, I stole the Dan Klaus thing. Look... It's not like this uh, this joke that I got labeled for for stealing. The this like I'm stealing jokes from Ian Mackay. Yeah, that's really the game. Oh, that's stuck in my crawl. Like, oh, I'm gonna mash that. So, Ethan, go home. <laughs> Experiment's over. I, I, pre- mean, I, I appreciate. It. No, I-, I appreciate it. Right. I think I gotta wait it out until I actually get in. Nah, go home. We're trying to save you. Yeah, it's over. Go home. Yeah, he's been I mean, online the whole time. I gotta see Transformers three. No, you don't. Well, go go rent it for three dollars on demand. 
Thanks, buddy. All right. That bummed me out. More power to the guy. Appreciate him toughing it out. But that was a little, a little depressing, wasn't it? And it's your fault that he went through that. I did not call him. <laughs> did I call him? Or did Dudio call him? I don't know. I don't know, Mary. Houlihan.tumblr.com. Right? Is mm-hmm. that it? Did you, can I tell you something? Sure. Before I ever called into this show, mm-hmm. I would fantasize about how I would call in. But then I was like, no, they'll just hang up on me if I call in like that. <laughs> so can I tell you what I dreamt? Let's just doing? do the call now. Let's okay. I'll close my eyes. Best show, you're on the air. Hello, Sharpling. Oh, this, this would not have, that, yeah, you would have gotten hung up on. That would not have gone well. That's the worst. So, that's really what you were going to do? Yeah, I thought it'd be a funny goof. What did you have planned after that? Uh, then I'd be like, haha, no, nah, I'm just goofing. It's me, a girl. Uh-huh. But you were going to start talking like that. Yeah. Oh, boy. It's good that you didn't do that. <laughs> that would not have started the the franchise. Mm-hmm. The Mary Houlihan franchise would have started off on shaky ground. Yeah. Best show, you're on the air. Hi, Tom. Hi, Mary. This is Stacy from Asheville. Stacy. Hi, Stacy. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Same. <laughs> good. Um, I was calling to tell you that in addition to the best show and the half hour power and, of course, Grease Nose Eggs, um, mm-hmm. I get to think about how much I love the best show every time I hear uh, anyone talk about Ron Perlman or Ron Perlman in an interview, mm-hmm. which is happening a lot right now because a few years ago you gonked me because I didn't know who he was. Okay. But now you know who Ron Perlman is. I do. Thanks it, to you. Isn't your life so much better now that you know that? It's com- Yeah, it's fulfilled. What's your favorite Ron Perlman thing? Hellboy? Uh, Sons of Anarchy? What? Which which one's your favorite? You know, I still haven't actually like watched anything that he's in, but I am excited. The things that are coming out are... Um, like, he's in the new Fallout 4 as a voice, I think. Mm-hmm. He's been in all the Fallout games. Mm-hmm. And then he's also going to be in that new Harry Potter spinoff movie. Uh, Harry with, Potter uh, spinoff? Yeah. What's that about? They just started promoting it. It's um, uh, Eddie Redmayne is going to be uh, the main character, and he's like a guy who goes around. In, he goes to America. That's like the big thing is that. What? Now it's in America. Oh, boy. Good. And it's in the past. Uh, I don't know what, maybe the 50s or something. So Harry Potter, and... his buddy, says buddy. <laughs> no, it, there's no one from the Harry Potter stuff okay. at all. He's, he writes a book that they refer to in the Harry Potter series. Oh, okay. And what's, it, yeah. what's this called? Thin Soup? Um, What's this called? I Want Another Mansion by J.K. Rowling? (laughs) Something about beasts, magical beasts or something. Okay. And he, and they call, um, there's this, so in England they call non-magical people muggles. Yes. And of course in America we have this dumb, we call them non-mag, 
mm-hmm. which is so stupid because we're America and we're stupid, obviously. Hey. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm back. not saying that. J.K. Rowling is saying that. Hey. <laughs> well, don't <laughs> listen to her. So are you, are you, you are a Harry Potter fan now? I am. And you're super excited about this, Mary? Are you a Harry Potter fan? No. No, you are. No, you sound like you're super excited. You can admit it. (laughs) I've never read a single one of those dumb books. No, you. I've seen two or three of the films, though. So, look, I just think I, 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 I'm glad everybody enjoys it. I like the J.K. Rowling story that she's like on a train writing stuff, because I get that. I'm waiting for my Harry Potter thing to show up. Keep waiting for this know, thing to pop, the show to pop, and to turn around and be uh, me walking into a big premiere, right? And it'd be like, yeah, when I was doing the show for no money, and then, uh, and then like behind the thing would be AP Mike would be screaming my name, right? Tom, <laughs> Tom, it's me, Mike. <laughs> and I would just talk to my security guy, be like, get him out of there. I don't know this man. Yeah. Who? <laughs> Mike, Mike. Oh, hey, Mike. How's it going, man? And I'd sign something for him, and then would be like, then I'd just walk away. No. It's going to be the other way around. I'm going to croak. AP Mike will sell the best show story, and he'll be like the Bob Zamuda of the best show. I could play you in the film. You could? Can you do an impression of me? Mm, let me think. Hold on. Okay, this is... Heave ho! It's hard to do low that was voices. Pretty good. That was good. Mm. So Ron Perlman <laughs> is in this Harry Potter reboot, and what does he play in it? I don't know. I just heard that he was announced to be added to the cast. Mm-hmm. It's they just this week okay. kind of started promoting it. Mm-hmm. He looks like a gorilla, right? A little bit. Um, you know, I guess he, he was well cast for Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, like if a gorilla fell in a vat of nair, right? <laughs> I can see that, yeah. All right, thanks for the call. He wrote a memoir, too, I think. Yeah, I'm not going to read that. <laughs> thanks for the call. Best show, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, who, who's this? Hi, Tom. Can Hi. you hear me? Yes, I can. It's Geneva. <gasps> Geneva! Geneva? <laughs> Sorry. Where are you I'm calling? Some technical, I was having some te- technical difficulties. Sorry. You're where? You're on You're on some sort of space shuttle orbiting the Earth <laughs> where things echo can back? Can you hear me? Is this the Martian? It feels oh. like the Martian. Right? <laughs> Is it really bad? Can. No, it's not so bad. It's not. It's, it's not. Okay, good. It's all right. Okay, I'm sorry. That's okay. What's know. going on? What's going on, Geneva? <laughs> Not much. It's been a while. I haven't talked to you in a long time. Yes. It I'm usually in bed by now. I what? usually listen to the first two hours and listen to the last part during the day. How can you fall asleep, day. though? Aren't you just like, oh, I want to hear what happens next? <laughs> yeah, I am. And I'm usually having some kind of weird philly boy roy dream yeah. by that point <laughs> and then i'm like gotta shut it off you ever have dreams of loot where things just loop over and over you ever have that happen yeah, yeah. where it's like a yes. thought loop i have what do you do with that how do you break the thought loop 
Mary, you ever have that? No. No? Okay. You've never had a thought loop dream? Never. Or just like a, a thought or, a, or, a, or an image or something and it just happens over and over? No, I get a lot of email dreams. Just plain dreams that'll be like, hey, Mayor, uh, just to remind you, there's a thing on Thursday at 10 a.m. Can't wait to see you. And I'll be like, great, I'll put it in my phone. And then I'll wake up and I'll be like, that didn't happen. <laughs> so you're dreaming about writing emails and stuff? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, that's the word. I think uh, I'll take, like I'm this... going to take the loop dreams. <laughs> as horrible as they are, I'm going to take those over the... What happens in the loops? There'll just be a certain thought, and it just goes over and over, and you can't break it. You know what I'm talking about, Mike? Oh. <laughs> Am I alone with this? You get it, Geneva, right? Yes. <laughs> I am... Uh, have you guys... Well, I mean, have you guys seen that Netflix or that documentary that's on Netflix now called The Nightmare? What is it? It's about sleep paralysis and it's really weird. Yeah, yeah, I don't need, I don't, I don't need to watch a movie about that. So is it? Yeah, because they said it's like really catchy too. Like if you watch the movie, then you'll start having weird dreams like that. I didn't, but like uh, some of the people in the movie were saying like, they just heard about this phenomenon from a friend, and then they started having this problem. Geneva, have you ever like, had sleep oh, paralysis? I haven't, but um, Mary, have you uh, ever had sleep paralysis? Has. Never in my life. Seriously? Seriously? Okay. Have you? Was... Have I? Dish. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> like being trapped. How often do you get it? Way too often. Really? If oh, I get it, my no. doctor said if I get it one more time, I'll die. No. Yes. <laughs> you can one never go time. to sleep. <laughs> I know. One more time do and I'm dead. you see, like, the shadow guys? Do you see the shadow guys? Yeah, do you see shadow, the shadow guys? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Art Bell? The shadow guys? You have to tell us. There's no shadow guys. You watched a weird... They, you sure there wasn't a paranormal activity you were watching? like well this is what people they're like this is probably what people are thinking of when they've they've been thinking of about alien abductions this whole time that it's just a form like this weird hallucination they're having while they have sleep paralysis because no. everything they describe sounds like an alien or like a like a 3d shadow that's how me. they described it you listen to me geneva it's the worst <laughs> thing it's the worst thing imaginable and i've had it plenty of times and I'm one, oh, I'm so incident, sorry. I'm one incident away from dying. The doctor seriously said, I'm serious. The next time this happens, one of the shadow men will kill you in sleep paralysis state and inception style. You will die in the real world. It sounds like oh, a geez. good doctor. He's very thorough. It was. Yes. Well, Geneva, you've, you've freaked me well, out now. You planted it no, in my head. Happened. Tonight could be the night. No, and if that's the I'm case, sorry. if that's the case, you will be tried for murder. <laughs> and because my ghost will serve show. on the jury. <laughs> it's the like you have to state. be on jury duty even as a ghost. Yeah. That, that's pretty Well, if rough. you die in the courtroom, you're stuck on jury duty. You're the 15th juror until the end of time. <laughs> Until the ultimate oh, judgment. No. It's your right? civic duty as a ghost. Yes, your civic. 
now? Um, they kind of blends into like what I was calling about. I, uh-uh. I was going to ask you if yeah. it's okay. When I was going to die? Few... No! I was going to ask you a few years ago on the old show, you used to always talk about how as you were getting older, you couldn't watch horror movies anymore. Yeah. Or like really intense things. Mm-hmm. It's happening to me. Yeah, it happens. It's like... I... You know why it happens? <laughs> Is it... You realize why? the horror of real life. And then you don't want to watch it. You don't want to watch it as entertainment. Do you like horror movies, right. Mary? No. What's think, the scariest uh, movie you've ever seen? Mm, mm, hmm. Uh, Monster with Charlize Theron. That's the well. That's not literally a horror movie. Just because it's called Monster. But horror movies don't scare me because uh-huh. I'm just like this is so obvious. Like mm-hmm. I can't. You like the real life stuff. Okay. Well, here. Yeah. How about this movie? Here's a horror movie I'm going to pitch to you. Two dudes. One kind of mousy, weird dude with aviator shades, right? The other guy, bald, big beard. And they're just terrorizing people with their sarcastic lyrics and easygoing (laughs) jazz rock, right? I love it. That's the ultimate horror movie. Steely Death. It's called Steely Death, and they kill people with their with their steel weapons. With their like super interesting (laughs) compositions. Yeah. Uh, Man, then you put a you put headphones on and you just go to another place. Guys like real crab apple. Mm mm. They're cool. Donald Fagan. Mm mm. They're not cool. They're cool. I like them. Cool. I listened to a great audio interview with him the other day. And what was he moaning about on it? <laughs> he was talking about, like, growing up as a kid in the suburbs, I had to escape, and that's what the sci-fi movies did for me. And I guess also jazz is when I started liking jazz. And I was like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, everyone can relate to this. <laughs> Feeling isolated and finding your things. <laughs> Geneva, thanks for calling. Yes. Bye, Geneva. Bye. Bye. You gotta see Steely Dan. You saw them live? I saw them live this summer at PNC Bank Arts Center and on the drive home, Prove It All Night was playing. Yeah. Yeah. Did, uh, did they do, uh, Hey 19? Duh. Uh Uh-huh. Did they do Get Back Jack? No. Do It Again? Yeah. They did? Mm-hmm. Did they do FM? No. No. Did they do that song, No Refunds? Uh, yes. Which they play, and then legally you can't get your money back? Yeah. Because they told you there's no more refunds? Mm-hmm, yes. Did they play We're Pretty Creepy Looking, and, and if we weren't in Steely Dan, you'd cross the street to get away from us? Yes, in the second encore. The second encore? Yes. I saw the PNC Art Center. I'm trying to think the last time I was there. I've been there twice to see Almond Brothers. Really? Yeah. Well, did you lose a bet? Mm, no, I was uh-huh. just a wayward teen. Did they do Whippin' Post? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> <Okay>. Come on. <laughs> That's one where you can just be like, all right, Whippin' Post playing. 
by the time you walk to your car, it's like that loud. It's like you can just hear it enough as you leave the PNC. It's like, <laughs> I can still kind of hear the show. I'm getting out of here. Can you do the vocals from it a little Hello? bit? After this call. Mm, okay. Best show, you're on the air. Hello? Hello, hi. Hi, this is Melissa. Hey, Melissa. Where are you calling from, Melissa? Jersey City. Nice. What's up, Melissa? Hi, how are you doing? Good. Okay. Um, I was, uh, just, I've never been to PNC. I don't have a car, so I don't get out there much. Mm. Mm. You mean you don't, so you've never had the desire to see... Oh, the old man rock bands? No. You never wanted to see Jimmy Buffet? You could see, like, Wiz Khalifa there or something. And get a lawn seat and a smoke pot. Heart? 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 Yeah, they would play there. You know what I did? I do a lot of times I go around arresting people, citizens arrest, (laughs) if I see them with weed. You're coming with me, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> you just... So you uh-huh. have never been there. Why? No. Why? Just buses. Um. All right. Anyways, so um, I was looking. Have Have you guys looked through NJ dot com? Look through what? NJ.com. Like if someone from my high school gets arrested and someone sends me the article about it, that's like the only time I check it out. Okay. There's a lot of great headlines on it right now. About what? Uh, Okay. The first one is decapitated body found in garage ID'd as missing Newark woman. (sighs) Sources say. They're very sad. What is this? The horror show here? (laughs) <laughs> I can't talk about this stuff, sorry. I can't talk about this gross stuff. Did you know there was... No, you wouldn't know this. Why am I asking? What's that? There was uh, an article about real estate in the Bergen Record. Mm-hmm. Do you know that paper? I know of it. It's like half scary news and half, like, you know, uh, down at ta- uh, Town Hall... There's going to be registration for the duck race. Like, it's very, like, hometown. <laughs> so it's either it's they found a hand It'll, in the park. <laughs> yeah. And then also, just so you know, the duck race is yeah. happening next weekend. Mm-hmm. Please sign up for the fun run. The duck fun run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a little article about a... A cool local rock band making their mark. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fun. Best show, you're on the air. Hi. 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 To whom am I speaking? This is Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Where are you calling from? I'm in Manhattan right now. Mm, very mm. fancy. I'm dog sitting. I don't actually live here. Okay. But good deal. So what's up? I wanted to talk about a uh, horror comedy I just saw. A horror comedy. Yeah. What is it? The Final Girls. The what? The what? It's called The Final Girls. The Final Girls. Yeah. What is that? uh, Basically, um, Malin Ackerman plays a woman in a slasher movie, 
and she grows up and has a daughter one day. She t- tells her never to be in a slasher movie, and then she dies, and the slasher movie becomes a cult movie. Mm-hmm. So the daughter and her friends go to the movies to see it, uh, but the theater lights on fire because someone had alcohol and a cigarette, and uh, they take a machete and go through the front screen, and they enter the slasher movie. And it is my, I have to, I think my point is more, uh, I've been watching screen queens. I think horror comedies are like much scarier than normal comedies because everyone's so much more cavalier about mm-hmm. everyone dying. Yeah, it's pretty good. The, the devaluation of human life, right? Like, like a little shop of horrors is like the scariest movie. Sure. With that plant. Yeah, and everybody. Steve Martin, they yeah. feed him to the plant. Yeah. I can't, I, I, I get so upset with death in these things. I'm sorry, I do. I can't watch Scream Queens. I, I watched the first episode, and it was pretty, like, it kind of felt like kind of Heathersy and, like, kind of had a cool vibe. And then the rest of it has just been awful and, like, almost scarier than a horror film. I can't watch American Horror Story. Yeah, I can't I watch, watch that. Do you watch that? No, but I've been meaning to watch the episodes with Stevie Nicks in them. Mm-hmm. I think it would be fun. To watch? A real-life witch mm-hmm. amongst uh, witch actors. Yeah. Yeah. What, people playing witches? Yeah. Have you watched You Can't Watch It? I can't watch it. You like it, though. It's gruesome. It's sick. And getting sicker. It. Don't like it. No. I'm with you. But I think it's like worse, right? In a weird way. Because people are laughing at it. I don't know. Well, it's manipulative. It's like a Disney movie. You're bouncing around, you're laughing one minute, next thing you think you're going to get your head chopped off. Right? Yeah. Thanks it's for the awful. call. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Mary Houlihan, when movies are so manipulative like that, ever get like weird emotions watching things like that you can't believe? Like I get this thing where like I watch these movies and suddenly I super get super, like a like a you know the movie Step Brothers. Oh, I love that movie. You know when they do like the when he sings the the song at the end, right? When mm-hmm. Will Ferrell sings. Uh, her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'll get, like, emotional during that part. Like, I find yeah. it to be one of the most moving things I've ever seen in my life. Yes. <laughs> I get teary. But then sometimes you'll see a thing and you'll just get, like, super, like, mad at it. Like, if somebody's face bugs you. Right? Like, Dennis Franz. Who's that? From NYPD Blue. Is <laughs> What's the name of his character? Sipowitz. Okay, I know that one. Yeah. Like, I can't watch him. He makes me uncomfortable to see him in things. He just looks like, he looks like a creep. And I it's like his creepiness <laughs> runs so deep. He has a familiar look. It yeah. makes, uh, makes me feel like home. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, I don't want to know about <laughs> your home then. If you're just like, if Dennis Franz feels like home, that's why you don't live in New Jersey anymore. Mm, yeah. That's why you are away. Are there things like that that come to mind for you? Ones that just suddenly you're like, because like if I watch like Pee Wee's Big Adventure and he saves the snakes, I get super, Mm -hmm. I start crying. Eastbound and Down makes me cry a ton, but that also has like legitimately sad moments in Mm -hmm. it. 
Like what scenes in Eastbound and Down? Oh my God! There's it's in the first season, mm-hmm. and it might be the first episode. It's like he moves in with his brother's family, and he's like being tough, he's laying there at night. And he's laying there at night after like bullying everyone, yeah. and he's laying in bed and like like yeah. freaking out yeah. and crying. Yeah. And oh my God! Oh, I know that scene is super so moving. Yeah, yeah, because it's like the the. The facade is down. Yeah, I can't think of like any other work that illustrates that feeling. This show. <laughs> this show. Every episode of this show. <laughs> uh huh. Is one is a person one inch away from crying. A person or laughing. crying in their bed, trying not to wake their nephews. Yeah, after he after he humiliated the family, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty. Yeah. So that gets you eastbound mm-hmm. and down. Oh, and when <laughs> when he throws up at the dance after taking ecstasy. Because <laughs> yes, he's just he's, losing so hard. Is that what it is? Yeah, and like after he throws up and that kind of helps him come to and he's like trying to play it off a little bit like mm-hmm. I'm back to normal mm-hmm. and it's just so sad. Mm-hmm. How about when then, but isn't it like, don't you like cheer when he like throws the baseball and knocks his eye out big time yeah. right suddenly you're like it's like a moment of pure triumph mm-hmm. that he threw a baseball <laughs> and, and, and blinded and him and someone yeah. yeah you're just like yes good people can win sometimes but except he's not good no and i like didn't. when he throws the cinder block through the window yes <laughs> yeah you know who's so good in those? Deep Roy. The dude uh, from season two. The little guy? Yeah. Yeah, he's was, really good. He was also in uh, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He played all the Oompa Loompas. All of them. Uh-huh. How's he not up for an Oscar? It's like if people up for Oscars, like you know, Matt Dillon in Crash. Ugh. Did Matt Dillon play every cop? he would have played every cop on the LAPD, then be like, okay, well, maybe he should be up for an Oscar. He played all the Oompa Loompas. Is that your standard for someone to win Best Actor? Yes. (laughs) Whoever did the most characters in a thing. The most of the same character, though. Should be. Because he found variations in every Oompa Loompa. Mm, Okay, If one person played all the Smurfs, they should win the Oscar, too. That's a bad idea. Don't give that idea out. Why? Someone will make it. <laughs> they already made two Smurf movies. <sighs> if that, But if that was one person playing all the Smurfs, I'd be like, look, those movies are not very good. Maybe Neil Patrick Harris gets a Best Supporting Actor nomination for acting against Smurfs. Like, because what do they have to act against? A tennis ball? Or they're sliding a tennis ball around? They're just like, yeah, make like uh, Brenny Smurfs running around there screaming at you or something, right? That sigh, that was, you're done with that topic. That's what I that said. I hate Smurfs so much. You hate much. Smurfs? Yeah. Never liked Smurfs? Never. I don't like, who does? They're the worst. They are the worst. There's not a likable a one in the Dutch, bunch. Right? It's a Dutch thing, isn't it? Ugh. Some weird Probably. Dutch toys. Somebody in the chat wants to know if it's a cry. Oh, I'll cry. I can cry. When Will Ferrell sings that song in, in uh, Step Brothers, I, I openly 
I bawled my eyes out. And if somebody played it now, I'd start crying. You know that scene, Mike? <laughs> yeah, of course it didn't. No. This dude, you ever see Strozek, Mary? Mm-mm. It's this movie, Mike. Mike and I met. It was very funny. He was screening calls. And it was such a very polite relationship. And then Mike says, Hey, I got a movie from Netflix. <laughs> Do you want to watch it before? And then you could stick it in the mail when you're done with it. It's called Strozik, directed by Werner Herzog. And he said, it's funny. So I'm like, ooh, it's funny. This should be good. think I'm going to get ready for a good old-fashioned, like, father of the bride or... Right? What is another funny movie? I'm not reading this. There's something about Mary. There's something about Mary. And then I watch it, and it's basically about a guy driven to the point of suicide by America. And then the final shot of the movie is this dancing chicken as the guy blows his brains out on a ski lift. Sorry for spoilers, guys. (laughs) Sounds hilarious. But Mike is like, and that's the first time I was like, what is this guy's deal? And then I started to realize. Then I entered the world. I entered the void. <laughs> like Gaspar Noe. If I'm going to mention Gat, Right, Mike? Then I was in it. It was like 8 millimeter. I couldn't unsee it. If somebody wants to see Werner Herzog's Father of the Bride. Bridge and Tunnel. For people who don't know, this is Dudio and Kristen Bartlett. Bartlett. Yes. They have a, a, a group called Bridge and Tunnel. Oh, here comes Pat's got a card, too. <laughs> Mike, where's your card? Bridge and Tunnel will be performing. And I've done, I did a show with Bridge and Tunnel a month or so ago. They're so funny. At the pit. This Saturday, November fourteenth, at nine thirty. And what is this, is this a is this a sketch show? Okay, so people should check that out. It's always funny. Tomorrow night, November eleventh, match game hosted by Bill Stittler. Steitler. 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 Two syllables. Steitler. Is that it? Yeah. Staitler. (laughs) Bill Staitler at Over the Eight in in Brooklyn, on Union Avenue in Brooklyn. Match game 15 with Pat Byrne, Dan Licata, Anna Fabrega. No, Fabrega. Fabrega. Yeah. And more. Sorry. I didn't know it was Fabrega. Anna Fabrega, Dan, and Bill Staitler. Those are two good things people should check out. Best show, you're on the air. Hello, this is Kate from Jersey City. Who? Kate from Jersey City. What's up, Kate? Hi, how are you guys doing? Is this Kate S? Yes, this is Kate S. Hi, Mary H. Hi, Tom S. Hi. I'm going to let you do. Huh. 
I want to see you host the you host the show for five minutes. Okay, it's cool. Your yeah, show. this would be great. All right, Kate, what's happening in Jersey City? <laughs> oh, not too much is happening in Jersey City, Mary H. Um, what were you guys talking about? What should I be contributing? Oh gosh, um, I would have hung up on her. Yeah, <laughs> heave ho, goodbye. <laughs> okay, next caller. Give the number out, 201-332-3484. 201-332-3484. Call in, please. Uh, lines are not uh, calling in. Ay, ay, ay. Ah, you know what really cheeses me off? <laughs> okay. What, what, what cheeses you off? What cheeses you off? Freaking cheeses me off. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just trying to be you. <sighs> Nothing really cheeses me off that much. Mike went on a cruise last week. Ooh. Hey, Mike. Can you come in here for a second? How are you? Good. How was your cruise? <laughs> it was only two days, and it was all free, so it went fast. Mm-hmm. Where was it? It just it's a cruise to nowhere. Okay. It goes out of Bayonne. It's a new ship just came here and uh-huh. so they have a little fanfare. They had media on there and for people who take a lot of cruises they get to go for free. Media. Yeah. Like what media? Well, they have all like uh Ernie and Nastis? Journalists, T V people, yeah. We were getting chased from this one room where they were filming something. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to go online for a little bit. And um, they're giving us, you know, hey, you can't go in there. Even though they weren't filming in this room where I had to go to, you know, they were they were giving us a hard time. Mm-hmm. But we sort of blew right past them. <laughs> Into some room. Well, they have uh, internet oh, on, okay. on the ship. You can get, get mm-hmm. online. And did you eat a lot? Oh, yeah. It was ridiculous. One day they had like a, it was almost, I guess, a, a version of a pub crawl on a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. Where you li- literally went to every restaurant, you could get a couple shots, <laughs> and then like little samples of the food. <laughs> uh huh. And I guess we hit about. What time is this starting? This was in the afternoon. Okay. Yeah. So it's and, the afternoon. Yeah. And so yeah, we started. We must about we must have hit about eight. There were about eighteen places you could go to. Okay. So when I, does, I don't know that anybody could have completed it. All because, 18, yeah. Yeah, it, it was, you know. They'd walk right off the boat. Oh, we were pushing We were pushing it at, at eight places that we went to. When does everyone throw up? Well, yeah, I, I had to uh, retire for a little bit after <laughs> that. Recoup, get my second win for the evening. And are you just laying in your... In your on your bed, going like, Ugh. pretty much, yeah. Right. I don't think I, I, you know, I could eat for you know another day after that. Mm-hmm. Um, you would have loved. They have a, you know, of course they have uh, entertainment, and they have a couple shows. Yeah. And they have this show called "We Will Rock You." You probably saw the ads on on the television when <laughs> they were promoting the thing. Yeah. And to me, it's essentially somebody looked at Mamma Mia. Mm-hmm. And said, "What other band can we sort of configure a story around their songs?" And mm-hmm. so this is with all Queen songs. Okay. And oh boy, it was brutal. 
I mean, it, it just went on too long. Who was the Freddie Mercury for it? Oh, this this young guy. I mean, could he sing at least? No, not really. <laughs> oh, and, well, that's and, not that's not essential for for um the part of Freddie Mercury. And when he like, spoke, yeah. all his lines were spoken like this. We gotta do this. We gotta, we gotta get together. And we gotta, <laughs> I mean, he sp- this guy speaks through the entire show that way. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, I, I couldn't take it anymore, right? So the thing finally ends. They, they, they haven't sung. I've seen it twice and it's wonderful. <laughs> Dudio has seen it. We will rock you I know. twice. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have to have a debate on it next week. Yeah. But, no, um. There's no debate. You're right on this one. <laughs> I don't even know two things about this. Studio's so, off target on this one. So, so yeah, it, it finally ends. All the actors are taking a bow. They haven't done Bohemian Rhapsody. There's a mm-hmm. there's a part in a play where they have this videotape from when there were music videos, and they play, you know, the Bohemian Rhapsody video with the four heads, right, right, right. And, and so you haven't seen the per- performers do mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. So they take their bows, and I'm like, thank God yeah. it's over. I'm walking out. Yeah. And then it turns out, then they kick into Bohemian Rhapsody, they're going to do it. And I'm just like, I'm done. I don't, I don't need to go back so you to got hear up. their version. Yeah, I left. Were other yeah. people leaving? Yeah, yeah, it was a fake out. They should have taken their bows first mm-hmm. before they do the big song that everybody's waiting for. <laughs> but I guess that was their encore. You should have gotten up on stage and done it. <laughs> yeah. Is this the real <laughs> life, right? Is this just fantasy? No escape from reality. Open your eyes. Look up to the sky and see. I'm just a doing karaoke with you is one of the fun most fun things. Oh, I've already got a new one for the next time we go. Because the t- things I've seen in karaoke is Mike doing this. Hair of the Dog by by uh, uh, by Nazareth, Nazareth. Yeah. Which is the song that's like, Now y'all messing with the <laughs> son of a bitch. But Mike does it in his way. He's like, Now you're messing with son of a bitch. Like you hit your thumb yeah. with a hammer. Yeah. You, you, yells, you yell, son of a bitch. Like you just like like you're up on a roof, like like you're on a ladder fixing something, and you just hear like, "Oh, Dad hurt himself." Because like now you're messing with son of a bitch. That was one of the, and then you also did Streets of Philadelphia by Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to do that. They had karaoke on on the ship. And these guys were, uh, they were picking the most obscure songs. Mm-hmm. This one guy got up there, and you probably know this better than me. I think it's yeah. on Hot August Night. It's the, that first Neil Diamond song. Do you, you know mean that? Jesus Christ, Fanny Bryce, that one. It's got like a long title. Yeah. Crunchy yeah. Granola Sweet. <laughs> that one. I don't know. It's got the, I think it's got the Hot August Night line in it. And it's got a, a real long something about the wagon or something. Oh, this guy was just going on and on with that song. Wait. And I wanted to just get up there and do my Streets of Philadelphia thing. Crunchy Brother, Granola Sweet. Brother Loves Traveling South. That's it. That's, yeah, that's it. That's not that's the that's first song oh, off all of right. it. I didn't know where it was. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you 
you Wait should apologize. I don't want to start. start it's the last a, song on Hot okay, August Night, Mike. Okay, sorry. I didn't know where it fell well, in there. Get your act together. Uh-huh. Drive me nuts. <laughs> you have a karaoke choice that I really like. Do you want to know it? Which one? Mother by John Lennon. Oh, yeah, that was, oh. yeah. I saw, That's a dope did, did I ever song. do that one? I wanted to do that one. Oh, know. I've seen you do that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to <laughs> You raised me. me. <laughs> I never found you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a bummer, man. And then was, I, I did the one with Jello, man. That was it. You did. Uh, what did you? Do? The boxer. The boxer. Yeah. Oh, that's a good. It was one. Yeah. AP Mike and Jello, man. <laughs> la la la. Yeah. yeah. Jello man can it's sing along. Yeah, yeah, it was a sing along. He can sing. But, you know, he might be the better singer of the two of you. I'm not going to say you can't sing. Right? You could do those, like, cannon shots singing. in the boxer. The light, light. <laughs> yeah. Here you go, Mike. Get ready. music red hot mama velvet charmer time's come to pay your dues here's what it sounds like I can't do it I can't I don't know the words <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> now you're messing with Son of a bitch <laughs> But karaoke at, at a place You're Watching you own it We should have karaoke night Right? Uh-huh. Three hours best show Just karaoke oh, That would be something What if we did the show live from a karaoke bar Wow Right. Wow. Can we do that, Dudio? He's going to say yes. Oh, why did I say yes? Now he's going to make that. That's going to make that happen. <laughs> That's actually the worst thing I could think of happening. Right? Because you don't want to hear me do one of my karaoke songs, right, Mike? No, you're, 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 you kill it when you do it. You're, you're a professional. At well, it. thank you, Mike. What's one of your favorite? It would be cool if you like had a. Like callers, you know, they pick their song and then you pull mm-hmm. it up on YouTube and they have to sing over it. Think of the gaffes. Think of the successes. But I'm not interested in the callers. <laughs> you know this one, right, Mike? Yeah. It's been one week that you look at me. Right? I like your uh, Rage Against the Machine. That's my my favorite of yours. When Killing you in the name? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of toilet language. A lot yeah, of but bleep just you. To see you up there raving. Yeah, yeah good, I watch yeah. me raging against the karaoke machine. Yeah. I like how I'm doing that, screaming, bleep you, I won't do what you tell me. And then, like, they open the door at the karaoke bar and they're bringing in more pretzels and, and drinks. Like, here's your food. And meanwhile, I'm screaming. And it's like, 
the worst part's when they come in when you're doing it, when you're singing, because everybody's like yeah. finds their comfort level with all their friends, and then like the door opens, and then they come in, and you're just like super hey. embarrassed <laughs> again. I remember the last time I had to do some mopping, right? Like I knocked over some glasses or something. <laughs> I remember I was mopping at one point before I did the Seth Meyers. Then when when Worcester and I did Seth Meyers, uh-huh. I was like so amped up. Yeah. That like I went to karaoke for an hour by myself beforehand. <laughs> I, I think it's therapeutic for yeah. you. You you yeah. you've mentioned that before. Had too much energy. I had to yeah. burn off some energy yeah. before that. So I was alone in a karaoke room by myself, <laughs> and I would do the classic thing. Yeah, other people will be showing up. Uh, probably, <laughs> probably they will be. I think <laughs> they blew me off. So and if they like... show up, just uh, tell them it's the guy with one in the room here, <laughs> knowing no one's going to show up. Yeah, that classic move that everyone does. Nobody else. (laughs) You're making fun of me. (laughs) I have to admit, I was a little worried when you told me you were doing that. I was like, oh, boy. That doesn't sound good for No, that you were going to karaoke on your own. You know, I think that that may be even more. Remember the Steve Martin movie about eating alone? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. I think that may be even... Lower. Karaoke. You think that's the lowest <laughs> Very thing? Very lower than eating alone in a restaurant, yeah. Well, then I've found the bottom, Mike. I don't know what to tell you. Mary, would you ever do karaoke alone? Um, no. Okay, well, that makes me feel better. Reason. Of course. I would, uh, you know. For ec- economic reasons, it's it's $4 if I'd you go in the middle like of the a, day. It's I'd $4 in car an hour. You go in for an well, hour. I know that. Yeah. I think I'll be going there I, every day. Yeah, exactly. Instead of falling asleep on the couch I'll, every day the way I do these things. This is, what I would, this is what I think. If you're ever in New York and you're just like, oh, I need to take a nap somewhere. Like if you're in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Let's go rent a karaoke room. They have like cushions and everything. Yeah, nice couches. Yeah, and then you right. just go and you program some songs, let it play, <laughs> and then just sleep for two hours. It'd be point, twelve dollars. Yeah. That's my that's me. That's my life hack, everyone. I like AP it. AP Mike, fast life hack. Fast life hack. I don't know. You better get ready, Mary. I'm not ready. Next. <laughs> Mary Hooley. Fast life hack. Ooh, I one. have a good one. What is it? I just get um, yours ready, Mike. <laughs> I just learned this the other day that if you uh, you're on the New Yorker website, you're reading New Yorker articles, and you get a little notification saying you've read all the articles, you can read for free. Mm-hmm. You have to register. You have to make a subscription, or you can uh, make an online profile. So I clicked that, and all you have to do is just give an address of anyone that subscribes to The New Yorker, and then they just let you read everything. You don't have to, like, prove anything. So if your neighbor has an issue of The New Yorker, you, just you can, nice. you can yeah. just put in their address. Yeah. That works for porn, too. Yeah. As long as you get the yeah, membership number. <laughs> People can't hear me shaking my head on the radio, but that's that's my life. I am. No, no the way it came to mind was uh, one time I had to improvise on the Garden State Parkway. There was a snowstorm. I was picking my brother up from college, and we lost a, a wiper blade. And I, uh, I thought like, well, you know, I'll put my glove on there, you know, so it wouldn't mm-hmm. wouldn't scrape the windshield. Yeah. So we had the had the glove going back and did forth. it work? 
for a little while. Like you're being waved at. Yeah. And then I mean it was it was amusing for a little while. Then your glove fell off. Yeah, and then 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 I lost the glove. Yeah, of course you did. (laughs) Because that's not a that one's not going to work. I could have called that. We didn't have we didn't have good we didn't have string you know or something to fasten it. Uh huh. Well. Yeah. (laughs) So I can't really recommend it to people. It's good for a couple miles. It's good for a couple miles. So, and a laugh. We had a, we had a laugh while it was working. You know what? That's what's yeah, important, yeah. right? We had a laugh. You had a laugh. Well, Mike. Yeah. Mary. <laughs> did you have an? Yeah. It's like you're highly strung. Mm, big time. Yeah. <laughs> this is what it's like, Mary. <laughs> I get spooked. <laughs> but you don't like horror movies. Mm, nah. You get spooked by conversation. Yes. That's a horror movie for you. Yeah, there's more at risk. That's a fair point. Scariest horror movie, Mike? Well, it was uh, The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Not when it originally came out. They re- re- re-released it when I was kind of like 13 or 14 mm-hmm. or something. Okay. Is that is The Exorcist scarier than Monster? <laughs> the Eileen Warrenos story? Well, I could see that being scary to people. I mean, that was a real based on a real person mm-hmm. you know who was okay, you know enough. i mean the scariest book i ever read was um how to scout uh no 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 that's yeah that's pretty right? scary yeah, yeah. Up there. that's got some scary the making of the white album in cold blood star quit in cold blood right? is a scary book oh that is a scary book it's a scary one yeah talk about that dude be able to chomp walnuts with his teeth yeah when they're going in into yeah. the house and you yeah. know what's coming Ooh. yeah i think the one did it and the other one was the yeah, one that went scary bombs. yeah right yeah sick you know what I would have done? Would I punched them all out, right? Yeah. Come in my house, right? Yeah. Boom. You got a bat or something? Yeah. I got a hammer. I'd home alone those two creeps. I got a hammer, Just right? Like, Just like in the, the the Seth Rogen movie, they home alone the one guy. They throw marbles down. Yeah. I'd have doorknobs heated. Yeah. Those two guys coming after me. Yeah, you got. You always got a bucket on a on burner. <laughs> I'd heat doorknobs. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, those two guys come chasing after me. Sticky stuff on yeah. the floor. Ah! Yeah. Stick glue on the floor, on right? The floor, yeah. Right? <laughs> exactly. I'm over here, you idiots. Then I'd be run to the house. I'm over here, yeah. you morons. Have a remote control car with <laughs> with a flamethrower. <laughs> I'd ice the outside. They'd be slipping all over the place. you got to get fire involved. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> Put grease on the steps. Yeah. Yeah. In cold blood, my uh, my uh, my elbow. And would these people, um, do they have guns while you're doing all that? Oh, yeah, yeah. They do. yeah. <laughs> but they, like, step on something No, but sticky. I've got a thing to heat up a doorknob. <laughs> and they, and yeah. then you could, you could use the line from Furious 7. In case they pull a gun on you, mm-hmm. you can say, this is a street fight. <laughs> and then they'll put their guns oh, down. Oh, my mistake. Because that's what, that's what you have to say to now. That's yeah. what I learned from Furious 7. Yeah. Yeah, you that should do you, that if you get If somebody up. pulls a gun on you, you said, I thought this was a street fight. <laughs> and they'll put their finger. guns down, right? Oh, they will? That's what happens. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And then you pull out your four-foot wrench. <laughs> <laughs> and you start going at it. Oh, so you movie. up it that movie? So you was killing me? So they pull a gun out. Yeah. What I do is I say, and this works for you also. Yeah. Say the 
creeps from Steely Dan are hovering outside. And those dudes look like creeps, right? Yeah, no, no I, I'm yeah. a big fan, mm-hmm. but I admit that, yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> That's a, if I got on the elevator with them, yeah. I would move over. Yeah. The total Sandusky vibe <laughs> off those dudes. <laughs> I wouldn't I'm even sorry. be surprised. <laughs> Maybe a little B.O. too. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, if I'm in this situation, and this applies for you as well, mm-hmm. someone pulls a gun out, what I say is, hey, I thought this was a street fight. And then they say, oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And they set their guns down. Then I pull out a four-foot wrench, and I <laughs> smash them over the forehead with it, right? yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what a street fight is, apparently. Street fight etiquette. I, I a learned wrench a lot. fight. I, I learned a lot in that movie. It was a wrench fight. <laughs> and the other guy pulled stuff off of his car. He was going at him with, like, it looked like windshield wipers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mike. Uh, oh, God, God love you. God love you. Right, Mary? Yeah, yeah God love you. Isn't Mike great? Yes. Isn't Mary great? Everybody's great. Okay, well, that was a weird, wow. weird cop-out. <laughs> want to leave anybody out. Thank you, Mike, for thank coming. Thank you, wow. Mary Houlihan. Yes. Thank you so much for being a part of the show tonight and for coming down. Thank you for And I hope me. this will not be the last time. Mm-mm-mm. It won't? No. You sure? I'll come back. You'll come back? Yeah, you have so many snacks here. A fair amount of snacks. You're coming back just for the snacks. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I would come back somewhere if they had good snacks. I'm going to play something on the way out by Don Muro on the Flannel Graph label. This is a song called Pushing Me Down. Everybody, thanks for listening. The best show will be back next week, and we will continue to have fun, and we have another special guest coming down. And here is Pushing Me Down by Don Muro. Good night, everybody. Good night. One, one, two, two, three. Yeah. yeah.